0: now from the paxa studios in downtown honolulu the bobby curran show on espn honolulu
1: Sports Animals in on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Bobby is working on getting better and getting back into his chair. In the meantime, uh, we're bringing it to you from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Top stories today around the country, really. Brittany Griner has pleaded guilty to drug charges in Russia.
2: And I know that's part of the process to hopefully get her out sooner. It's still going to be a while, and I'm hoping she won't have to be there much longer. It's so sad what's going on.
1: The uh, Cleveland Browns made that trade of Baker Mayfield to the Panthers for a fourth or fifth round draft pick yesterday. Still a lot of hubbub and a lot of talk on that, on how Baker Mayfield will do in Carolina.
2: I guess he's going to compete with uh, Sam Darnob. I have a feeling he'll win that battle, and I'm glad he finally got out of Cleveland.
1: And on the men's side of the Wimbledon, we're in, uh, we're in the semifinal phase, and this has turned out to be a pretty interesting event this year.
2: Yeah, it has. I mean, glad the fans are back, and they've got some personality. Nadal having that big victory yesterday in five sets, I guess it was, looked really exciting from the highlights, and uh, yeah. we are getting down to it. So it's going to be a fun yeah.
1: weekend. Nadal is, uh, it looks like he's a little, as June Jones would say, uh, Timmy's a little banged up. And Nadal <laughs> looks a little banged up, headed into uh, you know, headed into his semifinal match. You know, it's going to be interesting to watch. Could there be an upset? I think a lot of people are really interested in this. There's a lot of personality. Man, but yes. think about Rafi and Nadal. I mean, the guy's 36 years old. I don't know, what does he have, 23 Grand Slam t- something like that? I mean, it, it's the guy is still going strong at 36. If he was a golfer, you'd be like, ah, no problem. But this guy is <laughs> going, you know, he's going all-out tennis. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. Pretty, you know, we're watching one of the greatest athletes of our time.
2: Yeah, and you watch. It looks like he's getting a little older when you see the bald spot, so to speak, on the top of his head. And I so missed the rival. Is
1: there a bald spot or not?
2: Well, it is. It's, it's he's balding, okay. I guess. It's a little a little thin right on top, so you can see the difference there, which is fine at 36. I wish he could still go up against Roger Federer, Djokovic. <sighs> those those uh, battles were great over the years.
1: All right. Uh, really, the biggest story yesterday uh, for the sports world and uh, KHON two. Sam Spangler did a lot of reporting on it, but uh, Governor Ige says he plans to sign his budget today. Well, yesterday he said tomorrow. Uh, earmarking $400 million to the new Aloha Stadium Entertainment District. So that's good news. Demolition scheduled for early 2023. The, okay, weren't, wasn't this supposed to be completed and us playing at aloha stadium in 2023
2: that was the early reports and i love that's I kind of laughing when you said scheduled for the demolition in 2023 because we've heard that so many times and sooner or later they'll get it done and we're hearing 2026 will be the first game but i'll, I'll believe it when they actually break ground because we've been told this before and obviously nothing has happened before this so i guess it's a step in the right direction with him signing the money over now let's see what happens next and how soon isn't
1: the rail? Wasn't the rail supposed to be done ten years ago? Seriously, it, wasn't it supposed to be done ten years ago?
2: It had to be done like when they first came out. It, it was going to be open by twenty twenty, maybe a little earlier as well. And you jokingly said a year or so ago, it'll probably be 2030. and people were laughing. And now that's what they're saying. At least a few months ago. What I don't understand about the rail, it keeps. You see the test cars going every night almost, and if they got that, why is it going to take seven, eight more years to actually have it operate? I mean, are they that far away? It's just it's crazy. I, I don't know. I, I I I don't
1: know the inner workings of a, a rail project, but I see them running the cars, and that, and, and I'm glad they're doing it because what we're going to find out in 2030 is going. Well, we should have been running the cars the last 10 years, but there are the, the wheels are all locked now because it's been sitting. I don't know. It's a mess. <laughs> I but I just hope it. You know, that I'm going to find a talk to the people for yeah. a second. I'm going to find a civil, an old civil beat article about Aloha Stadium, and you'll see what some of these state-run or uh, city-state-run projects are such a, a, a joke.
2: You know, one of the things when they have something like the rail or the new Aloha Stadium and they project initially when the finished date or open date will be, it's 99.5% never that date or ever close. I rather have the people in charge who do these projections actually give us a realistic date or don't try to say it's going to be done early when it never is. Almost every project or big project that I can remember here has taken way longer. So why fool us on that? And again, it's not even close for the rail. Literally 10, 15 years later, they initially said, of course, the costs have gone up like crazy as well, even before COVID. And for Aloha Stadium, again, we, we heard 2025, uh, Last within the last six months, we heard it would open then. Uh, so they're saying 2026. I'm still not going to believe it until it happened. But again, yesterday was a step in the right direction. I, I do wonder whoever gets the bid. They, now, they, now they're they going to get the $400 million, Then they can get the finalists down and pick a company that's actually going to operate and build and do all that good stuff. So I, I'd still like to hear the amount of seats. Is it going to be 35000 I heard Josh a little yesterday saying it's still maybe a little up in the air. But the other question with that, Chris, I think is important. What does that do to UH football playing on campus for the next four years? How is the NCAA going to respond? I'm sure they're aware it's going to be three, four, whatever years. Are they still going to give – Hawaii, that pass of not having 15,000 fans or a a tickets sold and play that long. Again, the COVID year, they get a pass. This year, they got a pass. Is that going to last another three or four years?
1: I don't know. Maybe they still have to go ahead and, and uh, expand to 15,000. Um, there is an article, and I don't know if I'm reading. Uh, let's see. This is from KHON2. And they got a quote from the sports expert Jeff Portnoy, who says uh, they got to get to fifteen thousand by twenty twenty three, or I think they'll hear from the NCAA about where they belong. Uh, that's what he told uh, KHON two. And I, I don't know. Are is is um, is this lawyer in touch with the latest conversations that David Matlin or President? the president have had with the NCAA about their situation. I think they'll hear from the, I I don't think he knows. Um, I do not know that he is in the know. So maybe if you see something like that, um, I think it's okay to question it. Um, Senator Glenn Wakai says, talking about the bill, within that bill is $400 million to get the stadium project going from there is going to be on the governor signing off on the RFP, the request for proposal. We have three finalists waiting in the wings and eager to put in their bid. Okay. So why does that take so long? If they're eager to put in their bid, they know what they're dealing with. They've given, the, they've been given the parameters in their RFP. The rest request for proposal says, basically it says, hey, this is a request for a proposal. We want to build a stadium. We want this, this, and this bid for it how much you going to charge us so i'm sure that that's been done already unless they've changed unless they've changed it around a little bit
2: yeah we heard the last time glenn Wakai was on with us i don't know if it was five months ago whatever it was he said they already had the three finalists we've seen that in print probably late last year that they were down to the three finalists so you would think they'd be further along in that process hopefully well, uh, knowing they you can't so.
1: move along with the process it hasn't been approved by the governor but On in in each finalists in 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 their offices, they should have a complete bid already, unless they again unless some parameters have changed, and they got to go back to the drawing board for some reason, which wouldn't be totally surprising to me. Right, but the the the, the finalists selected in early 2023, really, that's six months from now, minimum. (laughs) Right. So if they do it in the end of january what is the end of january that's that's early 2023 sick why you got to explain to me why you got to explain to me why this moves so slowly on on the government's end end because you have to go back into session for something ah, sorry am i missing something maybe it's just me no maybe i'm just a buffoon sounding like an idiot on the radio this morning not this morning i hate to be so negative right off but to select a fight takes 6 months to select a finalist okay so if it takes 6 months just to select a finalist finalist why can't we tear that thing down i guess the budget includes some of that the tear down costs in that 400 million dollar budget now it's going to be signed today so when do you start demolishing in the begin in, in another 6 months
2: that's what he said yesterday they're going to start demolition in 2023 so, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't need. That's why I mean, even though it's exciting to a lot of people, and I understand that. Again, until it happened, because we've been fooled before, I'm not going to believe it. And the timing, like you said, from today, six months until they choose the right the the right company. But they've had these finalists for so long. Couldn't whoever's in charge of that actually started breaking it down or looking? You know, I know what you're going to say. Maybe some of the variables have changed, but they couldn't have changed that much. Why not start that uh, process a little sooner? That's what I'm. That's that's what I'm saying. That, that I, I, I just went through that. Well, I'm saying that that's what people are getting so excited about that. I again, I understand that, but I don't understand why it's taking so long. Maybe we can reach out to Glenn Wakai and try to get him to answer some of those questions.
1: Well, I don't know if he's going to help. I mean, he's they're they're asking. Okay, so people are here's part of the you know the hype that's going on, and this is what Senator Wakai is gathering for himself. I don't think he's up for reelection, but maybe he is. I don't know. But this is what they're doing: is going hey, and you know what? Now that we have a new stadium on the way. Maybe we can be into the Pac-12, voters. Hey, voters, wouldn't you like to be in the Pac-12? You know, I mean, this is the guy who's in Florida trying to find out, what was it, a pro soccer team to be based yeah. out of Hawaii? Stop it. Stop it. Just stop. The, um, let's see. Uh, by the way, uh, Jeff Portnoy also says that um, um They don't see Hawaii making this a cash cow, setting up top levels of college football. Uh, I don't know what that means. Anyway, check out uh, Sam Spangler's, uh, you can see the video or article at khon2.com. Well, Kai goes on to say, if it ends up being the Pac-4, they're going to need to add some teams. Could Hawaii make a play for that in 2025 and out? At this point, no. But if we get a stadium, I think that only helps in the argument to invite us. I can't stand when they go t- and they ask when people who have no idea of what's going on in sports, the two people I just mentioned, and the media is going to them for comments on it. Stop. Stop, Senator Wakai. Don't don't comment. Don't say, don't say stuff like that. Because people who don't know, I mean, if they don't know this whole conference realignment thing, they probably don't care. But at the same time, if you're saying, hey, maybe they'll invite us because we got a stadium, I don't think it works that way. I don't think that's what's holding this whole thing up. The Pac-12 is going in a totally different direction. We'll get into that more on the show today. But, it's not, it's, gosh, just stop, please.
2: Yeah, I mean, even with the Pac-12, I mean, we're hearing all kinds of stories, and Chris Benini from Sports Illustrated, a guest on our show over the years, he's suggesting if they're going to add teams and they can't get anybody from the Pac-12, tw- uh, Big 12, that they go to the Mountain West, but he's saying Boise State and San Diego State would be the first two choices, kind of what we figured as well. I know people would love to have Hawaii in that conference. I don't see it happening. I don't think it's wishful thinking. I mean, nothing, again, should ever shock us, but you have so many other choices for this conference, which would include a lot less travel. Uh, the TV market— I, I don't think it's the best time slots either. We talked about that recently. So, yeah, I don't think Hawaii would do that. And if, it, if, if they get rid of, let's say, four to six more schools, let's say a few schools join the Big 12, Oregon, Washington, go wherever, do you want to go to that conference? The conference, I said, it yesterday it's probably going to be like a group of five now, you know, with how many Mountain West teams they get and whoever else they get. So it's, I don't think it's the option. I don't think the stadium is going to be where, where the Pac-12 said as you said, that's going to make everybody want to have Hawaii join. We're not on their radar. You know, people might say, hey, that'd be great if we get Hawaii. You know, that'd be fun. But the people in charge, the Pac-12 people, why Mm -hmm. would they need Hawaii? Even now, I know what people are saying. A 35,000-seat stadium is not going to be where they're going to get so excited and say, okay, now we can let them in. That's not going to be a a reason or the reason, if it ever happened. It would help, I guess, but that's not going to be the factor that gets us over that hump.
1: Right. And I don't think this – if you have a 35-seat stadium and basically – and I'll say it again – the Mountain West Conference – was the WAC conference, the Mountain West conference will become the Pac-12. That's what the Pac-12 is going to be. Those other guys, those other guys are all long gone. Maybe they leave Washington State behind or something like that, but I don't, I don't. You know, that's the way I kind of see this going. Um, when you look at Aloha Stadium, and I'm looking at an article in uh, Civil Beat, and they talk about. Um, wow, it was uh, built for a uh, little more than $30 million. <laughs> $30 million in 1975 money. By the way, I hope that $400 million is enough. I mean, I know it's a public-private par- partnership, but I, 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 you know, at first it was $350 million at least, and they upped that to $400 million. But I hope $400 is enough, because with all of these delays, the price of everything goes up. And I hate to be in a situation where... <laughs> we're we're i don't know they're being investigated for number 1 somebody's in there stealing the money you know we see that all the time in our government somebody's in there stealing money or hey you know what we uh, initially you know something like glenn wakai comes out and goes oh yeah my bad i made a i made a mistake on the bill so we got to wait another 2 years or we got to wait till the legislative session next year right i mean it's just a it's it's a bunch of Keystone cops running around there going, oh, yeah, we didn't see this. I hope something like that doesn't happen. And if we're not even going to start picking a finalist, uh, getting a finalist, or, you know, picking somebody from the finalists till 2023, we're not going to start demolition until 2023. Oh, my goodness, so much can go wrong between now and then. It's over six months away. You'll remember some of the comedy that is Aloha Stadium. It was supposed to be resistant to rust. Now, they said uh, an initial layer of rust, they, they described it as, and I'm getting this from a Civil Beat article, protective patina. And, it, the, the you know, they wanted that. They, they say, okay, you want to have this protective p- patina, a, a little layer of rust around the metal, and that will make it last longer. And so that little protective patina, did develop around the metal on Aloha Stadium. And then it was discovered that the weathered steel was, as reported, it was uh, that the the steel was sensitive to salt-laden air environments. So the protective patina did not stop rusting. It didn't just coat it and, and protect it. It coated it, and then it ate it from the outside in. That's what we got with Aloha Stadium. No, no, it's supposed to. The rust is good. So millions and millions and millions of dollars have been spent on keeping uh, what a lot of people refer to as the rust bucket, uh, you know, from falling apart. I mean, Governor Ige recently had said that Hey, we let's just let's just fix the uh, Aloha Stadium. We can't afford to build a new one. And then uh, people said, "Yeah, well, why would you say that? You're crazy. Stop." And then that didn't happen. But this is this has been kind of a mess. And I guess any time you have something this big, a project this big, you know, maybe it's not just us. I'm born and raised here, lived here all my life. Maybe I don't pay attention enough to what's going on in, In California or South Dakota or Oklahoma or wherever. Maybe this happens all over the country. Maybe it's just a government thing. Ah, I'm not sure. Maybe we're being too harsh on poor Senator Wakai and his sports knowledge. Maybe we're being too harsh on the governor. I don't know.
2: Well, I remember the Neil Young song, "Rust Never Sleeps, would be appropriate for Aloha Stadium. And I don't keep track of Mainland Stadiums. Real specifically, but I do remember when I've seen stadiums get knocked down and new ones being built, they usually open when they say they're going to open, maybe give or take a week or two. I mean, there's a hockey arena for the New York Islanders. It opened exactly on time from two years ago when they started, or less than two years ago, construction. I've seen it in Philly. I've seen it in other places. And, it, you know, you can understand it being a little late, a little over budget. But you said a minute ago, Chris, you hope $400 million is enough. Remember, how many times has the rail increase their budget to double might even triple from when they first started it wasn't even close so again with projecting a date or the budget don't you anticipate those kind of things that if there is a delay you're going to have to spend more because of inflation as you said yeah uh, i like, think I, I get what you're saying
1: i think what the the, the we have a problem because we live 2,000 miles away from anything so we run into some problems that you're not going to run into if you're in illinois right I mean, we're gonna. We have shipping problems. Everything is more expensive. Uh, I tell you, right now, with the cost of building materials and availability of building materials, this is, you know, hopefully, when they start doing this in five years, <laughs> he jokes, that the the building costs will be down a little bit from what they are now. But anyway, uh, let's get. The, I want to get to some positives on this. We'll take your uh, texts at the Zephyr Insurance text line at eight zero eight two nine six. 1420. We'll check your traffic and be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curry Show. This is ESPN
0: Honolulu and the Sideline Home.
1: We're going to have a special guest in about 10 minutes. Yeah, talking Michigan football. Yeah. Michigan football on the show. This is ESPN Honolulu. And uh, thank you guys for listening, and thank you for texting in at Uh, 808-296-1420. Somebody texted in here. Thank you. It says uh, UH won't have to worry about attendance. I think the NCAA will be irrelevant in a few years. Thank you. Uh, I can see the Big Ten and SEC breaking away from the NCAA and forming their own entity purely based on TV money. Leave the NCAA and they can keep all the money for themselves. As long as we continue to have this red tape and reactive government instead of a proactive government, UH Sports will continue to be left behind. Well, that's not a positive thought. Thank you, Kyle. For that text.
2: Yeah, not exactly positive. I, I still think, you know, when people are saying with the new stadium that's going to make a big difference, and people saying about all the other events that'll come here, I still don't think, just on the new Aloha Stadium, let's say it's 35,000 seats, I don't know if you're going to attract concerts. People to travel here. Is so expensive. That's why we haven't gotten a lot of big groups over the years. And then you're going to have a stadium that's less than 50,000. I know. I heard Josh saying, "When's the last time we had 50,000?" Of course, it doesn't happen that often. But when you have a Bruno Mars coming here, he'll come here regardless. I would assume. But other groups, I don't know if they're going to come here if it's only. And you would think with the setup of the stage and everything, it might be less than 35 because of the back. The back of the stage won't be sold. It's not going to entice large gatherings. Because of the minimal amount of seats, with the cost of everything, so I don't know if we're going to get a lot of events at well, a new stadium. Well, I don't
1: know. I mean, if you're talking, you know, you're talking in the past, uh, Michael and Janet Jackson, sure. I mean, you know, maybe we're not going to get those huge concerts, but I mean, I think you could do an old version, and old people remember old, old fuddy duddies remember this. I think you could do some versions of the the summer blowouts. I think you could do. Um, you could have um United States women's soccer play if they're okay with playing on turf I, I, I don't think they are I, I guess but I mean I think you could get some great concerts for a 35,000 let's say they got to block off 5,000 seats. Yeah, oh. 30,000 seat arena. I mean I think you can some, some some great great concerts.
2: But the concerts that are going on every summer in the mainland they they're at stadiums that are probably 50,000 and plus. Not every concert. A lot no, of them not, are, whether they're no, in the sure, cities. But, but,
1: so take those out of the, the picture. So take the fifty thousand, you know, seventy thousand seat concerts. Yeah, we're not going to get those. But don't say we can't have concerts.
2: I didn't say we can't have any. I think we're not going to get any major concerts. I don't. I think that would really limit that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, just with the cost a, more and the, the, la- the amount of seats, or lack yeah. of.
1: Well, yeah, I, I think you can still have. It depends, I guess, what you call major. But folks, the Zephyr Insurance text line is open. You can call into if you like at 808-296-1420.
2: I also wonder when we're talking about, you know, the 15,000-seat requirement, David Matlin, obviously knowing what's going on, and probably anticipated these dates of 2026, or the years at least, I'm sure he's been talking to the NCAA about this. Uh, It's going to be pretty tough, and, with the cost of everything materials they couldn't increase it this year from from uh, 9000 that we had in the last season I wonder what their response would be again because would they give that pass that long but again it's not like well, he's just going through this process now I'm sure he's been through this over the last several months if not longer
1: let's let's give the correct information we it, it wasn't delayed this year because of the cost of materials
2: for for increasing the um the seats for next yeah. for next season yeah. yeah
1: they didn't say hey the materials cost too much we're not doing it this year
2: Well then, what what was it? It was getting the materials here. Well, I I thought it was just also the lack of materials because of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine.
1: Mm. It was the uh, it's the supply chain. Thank you, Tanner. The supply chain shortage.
2: Well, at least we got football coming up, and only like fifty one days away. That'll be a good. Well,
1: that'll be delayed now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know you don't like the countdown, (laughs) but we are getting down there. I love the
1: countdown. The Hawaii USA federal credit union countdown at espn
2: honolulu.com 51 i think it's 50 now today's well it's, it's today's thursday and the game will be on a saturday <laughs> so i think that would make it 51 seven times seven is 49 and then friday and saturday or thursday and friday <laughs> if my math is correct
1: uh, uh, yes it closer. is yeah. 51 days 10 hours one minute and 38 seconds it's our countdown to kickoff from hawaii usa federal credit union
2: yeah and uh Get, they start camp even less than that, the 27th, so three weeks from yesterday, they'll start camp, and uh, we'll hear some more news about maybe depth charts. I know I saw a depth chart yesterday, as I mentioned. It was basically three-fourths full on offense, but not quite the same on defense, but uh they're getting ready. They still have some scholarships left to fill, and uh, hopefully they'll be at least competitive. I saw also the other day, and I think people have talked about it, But Vanderbilt coming in on August 27th. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. 55-and-a-half 55, 55 is the under-over. I know Vanderbilt's been kind of a doormat. I'm you know, i not sure if last year's team would have faced the same odds. And I know it's just for fun to some people. I would probably think Hawaii, just with the fans there, Timmy Chang and the excitement, still got some talent on offense. I think they'll put up points. And I know Vanderbilt is not as good in football as they are in baseball, of course. And I'm hoping they can pull the upset. But I thought that was interesting to see that they are basically a touchdown favorite over Hawaii.
1: You know, they've got the, well, everybody's, again, I mean, a lot of the the, the prognosticators uh, feel that Hawaii is going to be like in the bottom 10 in the country. And, again, they base that off of returning starters, Right. three on offense, two on defense. Tanner Hayworth uh, has some uh, news about a new recruit. go ahead Tanner. yes,
3: yeah, so yesterday it was announced on his Twitter page but we have a Juco linebacker from Bakersfield College looks like he was only a freshman last year Jalen Smith about six uh-huh. one six two linebacker slash athlete he classifies himself as so probably a really good get for depth and a really and maybe Thomas Sheffield will you know. Appreciate him on special teams as well.
1: All right. Well, just, uh, you know, I mean, I consider myself a broadcaster slash athlete as well. I'm going to put that on my uh, Twitter page. Hey, uh, coming up, uh, we're, we've got a, a guest coming in, and uh, what's going on with that?
2: Brandon Brown, uh, the publisher of the Wolverine Digest for Sports Illustrated, to talk a little bit about Michigan football, where Hawaii will be playing them in September, and just their thoughts and the reaction from Michigan about the additional schools with USC and UCLA coming in.
1: That's next on ESPN Honolulu.
0: This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And the Sideline Hawaii app.
2: Gary and Chris with the animals filling in for Bobby Curran on ESPN Honolulu. is about a week ago, right around this time when we heard the news about UCLA and USC leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. We're going to talk some Big Ten and Michigan football as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu. The publisher of the Wolverine Digest of Sports Illustrated, Brandon Brown, back with us. Thanks for joining us, Brandon. Brandon, what was your initial reaction when you heard the news last Thursday about UCLA and USC?
4: Uh, that's pretty crazy i mean obviously those schools are really far away from uh, everything big ten so that that was the first the first thought is just the distance and how that's going to work maybe not so much with football or basketball but you know some of the uh some of the non-revenue sports of the olympic sports it's like all right i guess michigan volleyball is going to take a wednesday trip out to la for a you know for a match so there's there's just a lot of things that come along with it that make you wonder how it's going to work and Now you're hearing about all the other schools that are going to probably join up and join other conferences. So it's, you know, massive, massive changes to everything that we've known for for so many years.
2: For Michigan football specifically, or the whole athletic department, what are the positives of having those two schools join? Is it just more money, recruiting areas? What are the positives for Michigan? I mean, yeah, the L.A. market is, I
4: mean, that's that's huge. I mean, so now you've got Rutgers, you've got the New York City market, you've got, um you've got Maryland so you've got the DMV now you can put in you know Los Angeles Chicago's always been a big part of it so that's you know the some of the biggest major cities in the whole United States are now kind of linked to the Big Ten and yeah certainly recruiting I mean when you can pitch to California kids that you'll be taking trips out there every year um you know once those schedules get finalized from 2024 and beyond it's that's a big deal. I mean, it's a cool thing to say that the Big Ten now reaches that far away. But, I mean, when you look when you look at the map of where those schools are compared to everybody else, it is pretty crazy how far away they are. But it's, it's interesting to see how it's going to all come together, uh, you know, as these, these mega conferences continue to take shape.
2: Right. It doesn't seem like geography matters anymore for conferences. No. That's for sure. Has Jim Harbaugh commented publicly about this move or the additional schools?
4: I You know what? I don't think Jim Harbaugh has. The school, the university Ward manual, the athletic director put out a statement um, you know, it's pretty pretty canned statement just about how excited they are to get two prestigious schools. That's another thing. I mean, the Big Ten, you know, does champion their athletic or their academics quite a bit with you know schools like Michigan, schools like Northwestern, schools like Purdue, some pretty good academic schools. And you add USC and UCLA to that mix. So there was a kind of a focus on that, but certainly the athletic side of things, football especially, um, pretty big deal. And yeah, I don't. I mean, Harbaugh's. Harbaugh's doing his thing right now. That it's the dead period. I know a lot of the Michigan coaches are taking a little break here before they start to host some other recruiting events at the end of the month. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think Jim Harbaugh has said anything about it yet, but Ward Manuel, the athletic director, put out a pretty long statement about uh, you know the, once the announcement, announcement was official.
2: We are talking Michigan football and Big Ten football. We are joined by Brandon Brown, the publisher of the Wolverine Digest of Sports Illustrated on ESPN Honolulu. You can check out Brandon on Twitter at BSB underscore Wolverine. What are your thoughts on the unbalanced schedule? I mean, I know it's still a couple years away, but I was mentioning this yesterday. Even more so, you're going to have schools that won't play another school. I don't know how often they'll play, maybe once every three or four years. And we know about Michigan-Ohio State and that rivalry. But you would think with UCLA and USC, you're going to have some games that you use or teams that you usually play but that might not be the case in the future
4: yeah it's going to be really interesting to see how these rivalries are protected and there's a lot in the Big Ten I mean not just with Michigan I mean you've got a lot of old trophy old rivalry games between you know several schools in the Big Ten it's going to be interesting to see how they how they protect some of those how they can save them if they don't I mean the thought of Michigan not playing Ohio State every year is like, you know, is sacrilegious. You can't even mention that. I don't know how they're going to how they're going to navigate that because there there are other rivalries that are just as you know just as sacred uh, to those different schools and those different fan bases. So that's going to be that's going to be a challenge. I mean, when you are talking about these conferences maybe getting up to twenty plus teams. You know how you how you how you navigate that and get guys on the schedule and not not miss six or seven years between playing all these different teams that are now technically in the conference so yeah that's going to be that's going to be really tricky for the commissioners and the powers that be to to come up with something that makes sense and not lose what you know some of the stuff that makes college football so special michigan michigan state michigan ohio state you know penn state ohio state has turned into a big rivalry and there's a there's a a ton more even like a michigan minnesota which michigan has owned that rivalry but that's the oldest trophy game in college football so there's there's a lot of stuff like that woven through the big ten so that's going to be really tricky for them to keep some of that stuff uh keep it special like it's been for so
2: long what do you think would be a bigger shock there in ann arbor the fact that those two schools ucla and sc joined the big 10 or that hawaii could go into the big house uh to michigan and win on september 10th
4: <laughs> yeah well i know there's probably a lot of people out there on the island that would love to see that but i i mean what's the spread going to be for that one it's probably not even going to be offered on the book i, I mean hey now yeah, it's, hey now it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean that's a that's a fun matchup to see and I know everybody's excited about that, but yeah, I think the bigger shock would probably be Hawaii coming to Ann Arbor and getting a win. Sorry guys. That's what, that's what okay well we're we're hoping that's what, that they, kind of... that's
1: what they said to Appalachian State. Careful <laughs> now. Yeah, hey.
4: Okay, yeah, you, you guys do be careful out there. you don't have some Michigan fans catching the flight, you talk about that too much. You know, uh,
2: we, we watched the team have such success last year making the playoffs, and we had our eyes on a former Hawaii high school receiver in Roman Wilson. How yeah. do you assess, assess his performance last year and his role coming up this season?
4: Yeah, I mean, Roman's one of those guys. He's just got that, that game-breaking speed. He could probably make an argument he's the fastest player on the team, certainly one of them. I know his track times reflect that and had a you know huge 75-yard touchdown catch in the Big Ten championship game. It's just one of these things, we talk about this all the time with the Michigan's offense and kind of how Jim Harbaugh works things. They, they're they a run-first team. I mean, they had the, you know, the offensive line won the Joe Moore Award last year. Hassan Haskins scored 20 touchdowns. They ran the ball all the time down people's throats. That's how they beat Ohio State by 15. So Michigan's got a lot of weapons in that receiver room, Roman Wilson being one of them with, with that you know speed that can take the top off the defense. But, I mean, man, when you look at the stats at the end of the year, the leading receiver for Michigan has, like, 30-some catches, 40 catches, uh, and it's just not really what the offense is about. And out of the gate, those first four games for Michigan, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to be able to impose their will, run the ball, probably win pretty easily. I mean, that's what it's going to look like on paper anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that a lot of fans in 2022, now that you know college football is all about quarterbacks and receivers and explosive offenses, they want to see them open it up a bit. And Roman's the kind of guy who can do that. And so that's that's what a lot of fans are hoping that we see moving forward, but he's uh, he's he made some big plays last year, scored two touchdowns against Penn State as well, so he's he's got some ability here coming into his third year for sure.
2: We know how good again Michigan was last year in making the playoffs. What is their biggest strength this season or weakness compa- uh, considering the players that they lost or the starters they lost from last year?
4: Yeah, I think they're going to be able to lean on the offensive line again. They've got four starters coming back, and they replaced the only guy they lost with a graduate transfer from Virginia. Um Olu, 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 Timmy, I probably butchered his name there. But anyway, he's he, he was up for the Remington Award last year. So that offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award is maybe going to be even better this year with guys being a year older, maybe a little more athletic, and even bigger at the center spot. So that's going to be something they can lean on. Again, like I said, those first four games against Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, and Maryland, I mean, they're going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball, and that's going to be kind of how they establish their identity and then on defense, they have to replace, like, 25 sacks. I mean, when you lose a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, number two overall pick, and David Ojabo, who would have been a first-round pick had he not injured his Achilles uh, in his pro day workout. They've never had to replace that many sacks ever in the history of Michigan's program. So that's going to be a big change. They have a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, so they do have some things to figure out there. But they're talented, confident, coming off a 12-win season, so it's going to be really interesting to see how things look on on the defensive side especially.
2: I just want to ask one more question about conference realignment. What have you heard about what's next for the Big Ten? We keep hearing they're going to hope and wait for Notre Dame. We heard about other Pac-12 schools. What have you heard about the near future or a couple of years from now with more expansion?
4: Yeah, that's the Notre Dame is the wild card. I mean, that's a you know, there's been a Notre Dame Big Ten flirtation for decades, and you know, Notre Dame's managed to skate through, remain independent, you know, have that NBC money, and they, they've done their thing, and that's how they've always kind of been. But it, they're going to get left out in the cold if they don't make a decision now. They've obviously been linked to the ACC a little bit, so you wonder what that's going to look like. But the Big Ten just makes so much sense. They've got They've got rivalries with Michigan State and Notre Dame. They're right there in South Bend, Indiana. It just makes perfect sense for them to pick the Big Ten. And then once that happens, I think the Big Ten wants Notre Dame just as bad as they probably always have. I mean, that brand, that name, the academic standing, everything that comes with the Irish makes a lot of sense. And then you can start to let the other dominoes fall. You've heard Oregon a little bit. You've heard Washington a little bit. If I'm not mistaken, I think those two schools have been mentioned with another conference maybe now. So, yeah, it's, it, 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 it kind of has a feel that it's, everybody's waiting on Notre Dame in the Big Ten to see what they're going to do, and then some of the other stuff can fall into place.
2: We'll hear some of those moves in the future. And, of course, we're all looking forward to September 10th with Hawaii going up to Ann Arbor and hoping it'll be a great game. We look forward to that. Brandon, thanks again for talking Michigan football. Hopefully we can get in contact with you again right before the game. Absolutely, guys. Anytime you want to have me on, I'd be glad to do it. All right. Awesome. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Brandon Brown, he is the publisher of Wolverine Digest of Sports Illustrated, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu.
1: Homer much?
2: <laughs> a little, yeah. That's okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense for for um, when you're talking about alignment for Notre Dame to be in the Big Ten rather than the ACC, just because that's where you're going to have your Michigan. And like I said yesterday, Michigan, Purdue, USC, I mean, all of those games that they they, you know, that their fan base loves. Right. Those rivalries. Right. Makes sense for them.
2: Nice what he said about Roman Wilson with his speed and everything as far as maybe one of the best players on offense this year. So that was encouraging to hear. Hopefully he'll have a bigger role.
1: Well, maybe. I bet even mean, if your top receivers are getting 30 catches a game or oh, 30 so catches yeah. a season, um, you know, we're going to air it out over here. we got Timmy Chang as our coach. Join the brotherhood! (laughs) Come on, Wilson family. I know you're listening. (laughs) Got two years left. Michigan in the winter, totally overrated. (laughs) 647 with the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Weather-wise today, we do have some passing showers this morning, turning partly cloudy this afternoon. High today about 82 trades, 10 to 15, down a little bit from yesterday. Right now, 74 in the Magic City at ESPN Honolulu. Listening
0: to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at two nine six fourteen twenty.
1: All right, Tanner Hayworth was scouring uh, social media and uh, uh, from Sidelines Hawaii, thank you very much, um, they've uh, tweeted the uh, 2022 early predicted FPI win percentage for Hawaii from ESPN. What does that mean, Chris? The Football Power Index win percentage. So according to what you have just sent me, T Dub. I just made that up. Oh, wait, it wouldn't be T Dub. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Worth.
3: Worth is in there. So that's, Worth is that's in good.
1: there. <laughs> He's got a W in his name. Uh, so, okay, w- tell folks what you just sent me. You can explain it better than I.
3: Right. So, ESPN's Football Power Index, that's what they use. Like, if you look it up on ESPN, they'll always have like a percentage of, oh, this team is has this much percentage of a chance to win. Uh-huh. According to uh, ESPN's uh, 2022 football power index win ah. percentage, and like you said, shout out to Sidelines Hawaii, they got us going seven and six. All so right, so a lot higher than you know. I think a lot of people do expect from this team because of the just the huge turnover, like you guys mentioned. Only three returning offensive players, two returning offensive starter, uh, defensive, defensive starters. starters. Mm-hmm. So it's expected that we're not going to be, you know, super great this year. But yeah. seeing seven and six, I think hey, that's I'll ahead. I'll take that
1: right now. I'll take that right now. I'm all brotherhood, sisterhood, manlyhood, everything hood, neighborhood. I, I'm, I'm all right now. So th- if I'm reading this right, we have a 72% chance of beating Vanderbilt. Yes. Correct. Oh, We have a 46.8 chance of beating Western Kentucky. I told you the Hilltoppers
2: were good. That's a home game, too.
3: With the the Hilltoppers, it's Uh because, so, if you look at last year, they did have Bailey Zappi, who, like, threw for, like, 5,500 yards. Uh Sure, he graduated, but they also do get, I believe, a grad transfer from Western Virginia, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's coming from an air raid offense going to another air raid offense.
1: Is is, is Western Virginia near West Virginia?
3: Sorry, West Virginia. (laughs) It's the same thing. Hey,
1: you know what? Different state. We have a 2% chance of beating Michigan. So you say there's a chance.
2: There's always a chance.
1: Uh, Duquesne. Don't text in. I know it's Duquesne, but it's more fun to say Duquesne. We have a 978 chance of winning. New Mexico State, our rival, <laughs> we have a, about a 71% chance of winning. We have no chance of beating San Diego State, 22%. Nevada, we have a 62% chance to beat Nevada? New I'll take that style. right now. Toa Tua is coming back. Is it Toa Tua? Toa yeah, Tawa.
2: He, he can't still be there now, can he? Oh, sure he is. Yes, Toa Tua
1: is back. And, um uh Tawa is back and uh gosh if we could stop him maybe we don't stop him we just contain him (laughs) but man anyway we don't uh according to this real quick we don't have a chance of beating uh colorado state i don't know why maybe because we're on the road uh we should beat wyoming uh we will lose to fresno on the road we will edge out utah state the champs last year i'll take that Uh, We'll beat UNLV because the home team in the UNLV-UH rivalry always wins. And uh, we'll beat San uh, San Jose State. Put them back where they belong, back in the cellar. That's what I'm talking about right there. I'm fired up for football, man.
2: Don't they have us losing to San Jose at
1: 37%? Yes, they do. Sorry, I misread that. But I think we're going to win. I'll make that prediction right now. Okay. (laughs) San Jose State, we'll put them back where they belong. Go go sit on your cement bleachers. Yeah, seven and it's six. It's like, I hey, look, they're practicing uh, social distancing. No, they're not. Just no one's at the game.
2: That's San Jose for sure. And that'll be against Chevin Cordero, of course. That'd be great, according to ESPN, if we actually clinched the bowl before we even play the last game of the season. <laughs> I hope they're right. I hope they're right. But those those things are fun, and I I, I we know it's not going to be totally accurate, but. As, as promising, more than what we've seen other places, as far as predict, predicting win loss record or just the ranking in the country with some of the other ones in the mid 120s. That was a little surprising to me.
1: Yeah, anyway, we, it, yeah, and you got to see where we came from. I mean, you know, again, last year we beat New Mexico State twice. We beat, what was the FCS team we beat besides Port, New Mexico? Portland State. <laughs> State. Portland State. Well, Portland State, uh, you know, I, I, I see where they're going. You know, we, we were, you know, less than 500, we were 6 and 7 last year. And we had those three gifts on our schedule. So I, I think part of it was just all the turmoil, too. Yeah. I don't know if it's really the skill. I think there was just a lot going on that, uh, you know, that that uh, they had to – good thing they made that change when they did. You know what? We're out of time. We'll be back with the uh, day's top headlines. And lie, no lie, boo lie, coming up on ESPN Honolulu
0: now from the paxa studios in downtown honolulu the bobby curran show on espn honolulu
1: mics are hot so is gary dickman Hey, it's the Sports Animals in the morning on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Our top stories today around the uh, world of sports is um, Brittany Griner has pleaded guilty to drug charges in Russia. They say this will move her forward where they can uh, take her to trial, find her guilty, and then it's better, it's more possible to have some kind of uh, prisoner swap.
2: There was a movie called Midnight Express where a Long Island man got busted at an airport in Turkey. He was told to plead guilty, thinking it would get him off easier. He ended up getting sentenced to an extra 20 years. I'm hoping that's not the case for Brittany as she's facing 10 years. Hopefully this is a, st- a step in the right direction for her future.
1: And the Scottish Open is underway. If you're a late-night viewer, you can catch them when they start about 9 o'clock at night. This is, this is a prequel to the Open Championship.
2: Do you have a favorite in the Scottish Open?
1: Scottish Open, I'm liking JT, Justin Thomas, but I'm rooting for Will Zalatoris For the Scottish Open and the Open.
2: I'm hoping it's a competitive one. I'm hoping it's a close race on Sunday. hoping there's something good to tune into for that.
1: Hmm. All right. And, uh, really, that's uh, about it. We've been talking about, really, um, today, the Governor Ige has um, yesterday said today he is going to sign um, the budget which is earmarking $400 million to the newest Aloha Stadium Entertainment District. And uh, that's been the big topic, really, since uh, yesterday afternoon uh, when KHON2 broke it. I believe they broke it. Somebody broke it. Um, I'll give everybody credit. Everybody broke it. And uh, it has become the topic of conversation here. We'll get to your texts and phone calls coming up. But right now, Tanner Hayworth is hitting the red button. Go ahead the bobby Curran show presents buy or
0: sell
3: in reality it is a black button but the button i press does mean that it (laughs) is
1: theater of the mind if it's a red button it seems more important
3: that's the scary button that's usually the the scary button
1: right but if there's a phone ringing you reach for the red phone Uh uh-oh that means it's the president calling
3: Well, thankfully, it's not the president, but it is by yourself today. (laughs) Yesterday, Aaron Rodgers showed off some new ink, a really interesting tattoo, something about astrology. I don't know. But that gets us on the topic of the Green Bay Packers, as they expect to have some kind of wide receiver court built up of many rookies, a lot of veterans like a Sammy Watkins, rookies like Christian Watson, and a familiar name we all know, Romeo Dubs, and Aaron Rodgers... (laughs) We'll probably do what he does, have a great regular season. But buy or sell, the usual Packers cycle will continue and Aaron Rodgers will continue to disappoint in the playoffs, no matter the regular season success.
2: I'm going to sell it, even though there's a lot of parts to that question. I don't think they're going to have the same regular (laughs) season success. They're not going to go 13-3. and They'll win their division, so they'll have that side of regular season success. With those new receivers, you lose your offensive coordinator. I don't think they're going to go to the – they could go to the playoff. They didn't go far last year, as we know, losing to San Fran. But I don't think it's going to be a business as usual overall for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers.
1: You know, it depends. I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm going to buy the fact that the Packers are not going to be as good as they used to be. Aaron Rodgers to me doesn't seem as interested in football as he used to be. I don't know why I, 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 I could hopefully I'm wrong for Josh Pacheco and other green Bay Packer fans out there, but I don't know. I just, you know, when you're talking about, Oh, Romeo dubs is on the team. What was he a third round draft choice, fourth round draft choice. Uh, I don't know that he has the talent around him. And really what's going to stop the Packers is what always stops the Packers. Defense. So I don't know if that's on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Packers will get to the playoffs. Sure. Look at who's in their conference. They got a Minnesota Vikings team that doesn't play defense. They got the Chicago Bears. And I'm leaving somebody out. Detroit. Detroit Lions. Who are on my trajectory up. Anyway. That's that's my answer. I'm sticking to it. I'm selling or buying. I'm
3: selling. <laughs> buy, 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 buy or sell?
4: Sell, sell, sell.
3: Yesterday, finally, one of the two most talked about quarterbacks finally got traded as Baker Mayfield heads to Carolina for a conditional 2024 fourth or fifth round pick, depending on how much he does play in Carolina now. Some of Baker Mayfield's greatest accomplishments in his career Comes with that chip, whether he was that walk-on Heisman winner at Oklahoma, whether he finally got the Browns to uh, one playoff win, probably the first one that many modern Cleveland Browns fans have ever seen. Buy or sell, Baker Mayfield is most dangerous when he has that chip on his shoulder.
2: I'm going to
1: buy that. I think that a lot of people play better, and some athletes create chips that don't really exist, but they create them. Just for added motivation. You see how fiery Baker Mayfield is on the football field. I love that attitude he brings to the Carolina Panthers. I love the weapons around him in Carolina. Now, if they get an offensive line to block for him, it'll be the complete package. I'm absolutely buying that, Tanner Hayworth.
2: I'm going to sell it. Uh, I don't know if he needs that big of a a chip on his shoulder. you got to be under control, and sometimes it looks like his emotions got the best of him. I know he's good, and sometimes it might work, but overall, I don't think it's healthy for him to have more success in Carolina.
0: Buy Buy, buy, buy! or sell? Sell, sell,
3: sell? And finally, the other quarterback that's been talked about in the trade circles is Jimmy Garoppolo, as the Browns kind of face an interesting situation with Jacoby Brissett as their now starting quarterback as they wait to hear anything about Deshaun Watson's availability for this season. Buy or sell, Jimmy Garoppolo will be a brown at some point this regular season.
1: Oh my gosh, for his sake,
2: I hope not. I'm I'm going to I'm gonna sell it. I'm going to buy it. I think it makes sense for Cleveland. And we haven't heard the exact amount of games for Deshaun Watson, but most people think he'll miss the year, maybe even more than that. So knowing that, and you have a chance to get Jimmy Garoppolo, I think you go out and get him. It's probably not going to cost you a ton, because San Francisco doesn't have a lot of teams looking to get him. So I think Jimmy G will be there. Buy buy, buy, buy. or sell. Sell, sell,
3: sell. That's been Buy or Sell on ESPN Honolulu.
2: Thank you, Tanner.
1: And uh, just to build off of that a little bit, i Jimmy G, what's he making now?
2: 29 26. million? $26 I thought he was at 26 range.
1: Whatever it is, he's making 20 something million dollars. If they trade him, unless they do, I don't know, can the Browns afford a quarterback at 26 million dollars with all of the money they're giving to Deshaun Watson? Does if that please. not come off the pat? Does that count against the cap if he plays this year? Well, I guess against the cap, they're only paying him a million dollars, so maybe they could afford him. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and if he's suspended, I'm not sure if that would count on their cap numbers. So maybe that I'm would I'm not
1: either, but but I'm just wondering. I, are the Browns the only spot that he would go to or is what we're hearing cuz what we're hearing is sources say this, people are guessing this. Why don't the San Francisco 49ers want to keep Jimmy G for one more year to make sure that Trey Lance is the their guy or if Trey Lance gets hurt? They can have a great backup quarterback. Well, why would they not do that, at
2: least for a year? That makes. They're se- both on the team now. Trey Lance isn't costing you any money. That, do- that does make sense, but I don't think you want to pay a backup quarterback $26 million either.
1: You know, I heard uh, Sarah Spain say that yesterday when they're talking about starting quarterbacks for the Carolina Panthers, and I think that used to be the case, or it might be the case with bad ownership, Um and I don't think you have bad ownership in San Francisco where she was saying maybe Sam Darnold has the edge over Baker Mayfield in Carolina because you're paying Sam Darnold so much money and not that much. You're only paying less than $5 million to Baker Mayfield. And I said, you know what? If that's that's the philosophy of your organization, we're going to start the highest paid players, not the best players. That's pretty sad. I don't think – and plus you have a – an owner, the new owner of the Carolina Panthers, I can't remember his name. Guy's not a patient man. And guys like um, Matt Rule, the coach who's on the hot seat already, he's going to start. He's going to want to play the best player. Not well. We're paying Sam Darnold the most money, so let's have him go out there and throw a few more interceptions each game. No, that uh, makes sense to me. That's mean, what I, she I, said. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of her podcast too, by the way. <laughs>
2: For Carolina, sure. For Cle- I mean, for San Francisco, though, I don't know they, why they would want to do it. Here's another factor, I think, for the 49ers. If you can get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, you might have more money to give to old Debo Samuel, who wants more money. Mm-hmm. Maybe they could give him more under the cap if they get rid of that contract.
1: Yeah, maybe. That's a good point. That's a great point. Ten minutes after the hour here on ESPN, Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open. Let's go to it now. Uh, let's see. This is one. It says, Josh, I don't believe that. Uh... Oh, I see. He, he uh, sent this to Josh yesterday. Well, we started reading it. He forwarded it to <laughs> us today. Thank you for texting in. Uh, I don't believe that until the new complex is completed, talking about the NACID, will many take our football program seriously. Therefore, Ching Stadium will suffice. When the new complex is completed, then I believe our program should rise for various reasons and begin to start building towards a quality, respected program and maybe wake up the echoes of past good years. It'll take time, but definitely begin with the new facility is operable. Thank you, Hank, for forwarding that text.
2: And that makes sense, everything he has said. I, I still don't think that's going to maybe give enough for Hawaii to join a Power 5 conference like the Pac-12 or whatever it will be called then. But hopefully it's a step in the right direction. I, I'm not sure that helps the facilities at all as far as on-campus stadium or anything else they need there. But I think, again, Ching Complex was good last year, as the texter says. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if ah. having the stadium necessarily means you're going to have a better program. Are you going to get more a better type of recruits? Maybe, but I don't think that's a, a, a big factor, a major factor in turning a program around or elevating them to the next level. It'll help, but I don't think that's the big factor.
1: Well, I mean, and when you talk about facilities, facilities are a big factor, and it was a great factor. I mean, we had somebody commit to us, and then they visited Colorado State and bolted for the Rams. So facilities are a factor, aren't they?
2: They, they are somewhat, but I don't think it's the most important factor. As far, again, as far as the stadium, I was talking more so first with the stadium. I, I don't That's know. That's a if, facility. That's where you play. Okay. okay. But I. I just, I just, again, I, I know it'll help if you have that new stadium and whatever amount of seats it's going to be. But as far as having this program being elevated, I don't know if it'll make that much of a difference. Again, you maybe you'll get a recruit or two or three that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But overall, I think it just matters who you got as a whole recruiting class, and hopefully to continue keeping the best local players home. I think that'll help build the program up and elevate them to the next level.
1: Uh, Daniel, thank you for your text. Says all of these people are talking about how USC and UCLA. We'll have to make long trips to Rutgers in Maryland and Penn State, and I'm just thinking about how much Hawaii has to travel. Well,
2: that's been there for so long, I and mean, we know a lot of people don't acknowledge that or don't realize it, but and that's not going to change anytime soon. But for USC and UCLA, when you're used to just going up and down the West Coast, and Utah is your longest conference road trip, it's a big difference for that for them.
1: Uh, we were talking about how ESPN's Football Power Index has Hawaii. The chances are that uh, Hawaii would go seven and six, seven wins, six losses. And uh, this texture says, "Eddie, thank you. I'll take a seven and six season in Timmy's first season with a win at Michigan. Let's go! <laughs> I'll take that too right now.
2: Come on!" If they beat Michigan, I think they'd be better than seven and six. But I would also say if they go to a bowl game in year one, we've got to be satisfied. No matter who they win against or lose against, having a winning record this year, I think, would be an added bonus. Because last year, even though they got into a bowl game that was never played, we know they kind of slid into that because there weren't enough teams. Maybe due to COVID and six and seven wasn't really the way to go to a bowl. So I think that will be great if they can go seven and six. I also think when we talk about the Vanderbilt game being a win according to ESPN, I know it'd be so early in the season, being week one, but I think that could really help having an over 500 record. Because right now, I think that's a game that could go either way. We know Duquesne is not that good. Western Kentucky is good, as you said. We know the conference teams kind of where they're going to be projected to be and how they might be compared to last year. But Vanderbilt could really help in that aspect as far as being bowl eligible later on, even though it's only week zero. Mm. And uh,
1: okay in uh, 808-296-1420 the zephyr insurance text lines uh this one reads animals the stadium is shrinking from 35,000 to 30,000 or less why don't understand why it's getting smaller
2: Hmm. i I don't think they've come up with an exact number yet and i I heard josh even talking about that range yesterday Uh, but until we hear the exact proposal as far as how many seats uh, we'll have to wait and see but I, I you know when I said initially I don't think that's big enough you're not going to get the Pro Bowl which nobody's going to get probably in a few years but the fact that it's almost never full especially for football, for 50,000 seats, 35,000 does make more sense. Again, you mm-hmm. think of T.C. you Ching. When you go to those games, small capacity, but you're right on top of the action. The new stadium, when you have only 35,000 compared to 50, the worst seats there are going to be a lot better than the worst seats at Aloha Stadium.
1: Oh, I don't know. I love those worst seats at Aloha Stadium. In the yellow section, oh, those are great seats up there. Great bird's eye view watching plays develop. Uh, Tanner Hayworth, who's been paying closer attention to this than uh, uh, has an answer about why it would go down to 30,000 seats.
3: Supplying chain shortages.
1: Ah, there it is again. SCS, supply chain shortages. So that's, I guess, why uh, they're talking about the stadium being smaller. But, I mean, we're still going to have supply chain shortages in eight years when they start construction? Come on! That's what I was thinking, yeah. 16 minutes after the hour, we got a traffic check coming up. Emma Span from The Athletic talking Major League Baseball in 20 minutes. And uh, more on this and Hawaii football and uh, all kinds of stuff. Coming up with the sports animals this morning on ESPN Honolulu. We do have a few passing showers this morning and uh, be partly cloudy this afternoon. Trades 10 to 15, down a little bit. High today about 82 Right now, 77 in the Magic City at ESPN Honolulu.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curran Show. This is ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app.
1: Got word from the uh, Polynesian uh, Bowl. And the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame, Romeo Cronell and Mark Richt have been selected as head coaches for the 2023 Polynesian Bowl. How about that?
2: They sure get big names for the game every year, at least, you know, retired coaches. I mean, we had Jim Zorn a few years ago and some really big names. I think that's kind of exciting. Jim Zorn, really? Yeah, we had him on our show when he was doing the game.
1: Wow, I don't remember that. Jim Zorn, is he's the guy that ruined Colt Brennan's throwing motion in the NFL.
2: I remember you told me to ask him that on the air beforehand, but I I, I did not.
1: Yeah, come on. What's wrong? What's wrong? Stan? <laughs> huh? Stand. Trying,
2: to be, trying to be polite.
1: <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Romeo Cornell, of course, is one of the most uh, one of the a very successful assistant coach in the NFL. And he's been to all kinds of playoffs and uh, you know um, Super Bowls and, and and things like that. So Romeo Cornell will be the head coach for Team Mauka. 50 years of coaching, man. That's, that's bringing a l- lot of knowledge to uh, the Polynesian Bowl. So he's going to be Team Mauka's coach. And Mark Richt, Mark Richt will be Team Mackay's head coach. Of course, uh, longtime coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, won two SEC championships. He was a head coach at Miami uh, for four seasons. Uh, he was named the ACC Coach of the Year, even. Uh, let's see, he was an assistant at Florida State. He's been a part of two national championships and two Heisman Trophy-winning quarterbacks. Now, if you remember, the um, if you remember the uh, Mark Richt and Bobby Curns told this story a lot. He was, it was. I, I don't know. I might be some of it out of context, but it was. I'll never, I'll never play in Hawaii. You know, he'll never bring Georgia to play the University of Hawaii. It was, the, the travel was too much for him. He's like, I'll never play. And it's like, well, now I'm unemployed. Sure, I'll come out and play. Come on, let's go. You know, but anyway, no, they, it, it's, I, you know, I yoke around. But uh, good to see some top talent. And you mentioned uh, um, Jim Zorn being here in the past, Steve Spurrier, Doug Williams, Dick Tomey, June Jones a couple of times, including last year. Dick Vermeil was out here. Right. Uh, Terry Donahue from uh, um, Terry Donahue, UCLA or Notre Dame?
2: I can't UCLA. remember.
1: Terry Donahue was out here. So they continue. Again, uh, folks from the Polynesian Bowl, good job. Good job by you. Uh, okay, 22 minutes after the hour here on ESPN, Honolulu.
2: Yeah, I mean, last year we had one of the players with Travis Hunter, the guy who uh, – didn't go to Florida state, went to Dion school and said, maybe the best defensive back in the country. So they do have future stars on those rosters. So that's going to be cool to have that. And I, I like some of those coaches that come over here. Just to me, it gives the, it gives the game a little bit more credibility when you have names like that, that have been there and done that maybe not the most successful all the time, but big names. And I like that part of the game.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, that's just the perfect place. It's, they've got it. you know, they got the TV contract, the perfect place. To play is on campus at Kamehameha Schools just because of what the school's all about and one of the most beautiful views that you'll ever see besides Waianae uh, at a football stadium in Hawaii. I mean, it's this thing is building. And Rich Miano's still involved in this game, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he is. And he told us last time on the show. Remember, the NFL Network's going to cover that game now.
1: Right. So, uh, anyway, good job, uh, Rich Miano, and everybody else who works on this from where it starts as kind of a footnote right to where it's become today and it's a powerful showcase of high school football
2: players after the game last year within maybe two three weeks you saw so many players on twitter already committing to this year's game so i would imagine watching last year's game you know gave a lot of players thinking hey this is where i want to go next year and committing that early says something about the game as well
1: yeah, and the whole th- the whole reason behind, and I think we got this from Jesse Sapolu, who is uh, on the board. And I think the, the whole thing, the reason the Polynesian Bowl is in existence, is of course to showcase these high school athletes uh, to the rest of the country and to colleges and places like that. But it's also to share the Polynesian culture. So when you see somebody, a, a Caucasian guy from Iowa playing in the Polynesian Bowl, you're like, hey, what's up with that? Well, they're sharing the Polynesian culture, and these guys are coming away, changed human beings from what they've learned. It, it, it's pretty exciting, pretty exciting stuff.
2: And we've heard numerous times over the years, a lot of these players would never come to Hawaii if it wasn't for this game, before the game and maybe even after. So it really gives them a or lot been of,
1: able to. They've yeah. been, been able to travel to Hawaii.
2: Right, right. I, one year I went to the bank when you could see a lot of the mainland players. and they had a lot of you know hula dances and a lot of entertainment. Uh, during the dinner and the banquet and you could just see the excitement on these kids faces and reading some of the comments over the year over those years they really really get a lot out of it it's not just a game it's everything else during the week so this game as you said it has really grown it's really popular again the NFL network is great and we're getting a lot of talent there again you know some of the best players in the country not just all-star caliber but best players in their state and that'll continue I guess for years and years that's a good thing for, for Hawaii it's good for the bowl game and great for the kids
1: Mhm. All right. Amen and amen. I'm trying to get you. Uh, coming up, we've got a guest. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball. Your texts are welcome at 808-296-1420 in the Zephyr Insurance uh, text line. You can call in to the radio station as well. Uh, here's an update. This is because they're playing in Scotland, the Genesis Scottish Open. It's in North Berwick, Scotland on a par 70 course. $8 million purse. And uh, right now, Cameron Tringale leads. He's 9-under. Gary Woodland is at 6-under. Justin Harding out of South Africa is 5-under. Wow, I, you've never even heard of a lot of these guys. Uh, let's see. Uh, some able, not- notable names. Sam Burns, is, he's a T7 at minus 3. Dylan Fratelli is 3-under. Stuart Sink is 3-under. Jordan Spieth, two under. Justin Rose as well at two under. So I'm trying to see, man, hey, Ricky Fowler's one under. That's pretty good for Ricky Fowler to be within eight strokes of the lead. An uh, early leader earlier was Chris Kirk, the uh, an American leader, but he finishes off at plus one for today. But, hey, like I said earlier, if it's, if you're a nighttime viewer, you stay up late, It's uh, you can catch the – scottish open i don't know if what channel it's on i know it's on espn plus and oh. they started coverage last night about 9 p.m so i'm a little bit sleepy today <laughs> is rory i excited in to watch what's that
2: is rory McElroy oh see- rory's in there somewhere okay, I, you okay. know
1: he's somewhere down down the list i don't want to bore people with just reading the whole thing on the air but uh i can tell you that uh francisco molinari is at plus eight and he's tied for last place
2: probably not gonna, gonna make the thing, cut right. at that rate
1: uh, yeah, unless he has a, you know, great unless something happens. And it's really windy out there. I love these link-style courses. And you're like, that's why I don't understand. When you drive by Olamana, Olamana Golf Course, it says, like, a link-style course. I don't get how Olamana is a link-style course. And maybe somebody knows at 808-296-1420. A link-style course, from what I understand, I hope Hunter Hughes is listening. He's our golf expert. A Lynx-style course, I thought, is like it's really flat, it's out by the beach, and there aren't a lot of trees. And that's why they're always windy at St. Andrews. They're talking about St. Andrews a lot this week because that's where the Open is. And it's it, it's windy, and uh, right now this is uh, at the players it was really windy. The most windy golf tournament play- the PGA guys have faced has been uh, the, the players this year. And they're all comparing this to the players, at least the Scottish Open. It's windy out there because you're right there on the beach. It's like playing, I guess, that, is it the 13th hole at Thir- the Clipper course.
2: Would Kahala be considered a link course then? I mean, it's, it has the wind. It's near the Kahala. beach. Kahala. I mean, um. um the, no,
1: no, 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 no. Look at look at St. Andrews. Look at these courses. They're bumpy and they're rolly. They're flat mostly. And uh, they're right there on the beach. If you have a hole or two that's by the beach, that does, like I said, the, okay. the Clipper course, that doesn't make the Clipper course a beach course. I'm wondering why the Olamana considers themselves a uh, a, a Lynx course. And, but, you know, I could be wrong. But, you know, this the tradition of the Open, and maybe I'm just buying into the hype because that's all that uh, the Golf Channel is playing is just the, the history of the Open and what it means for these players to play – you know, the 150th Open, going for that Jarrett, is it the Jarrett Claret, the Claret Jug. Going for the Claret Jug. And um, how special it is to these players. You know, Americans usually back in the day didn't come over to play in the uh, Open because, well, in the 50s and stuff, it's it's too hard to get here. Right? Don't you got to jump on a boat? I don't know. How did you travel in the
2: 50s? In the 50s? I think you could fly in the 50s. Yeah. Planes were in service already. so It took a
1: long time to get here probably, though.
2: Probably you know took I mean? longer. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so it was a hassle to get over here, so the top players from America never came to play at the uh, at the Open. And the uh, then finally Arnold Palmer came in 1960 and put up a good run. He finished second. He was real close. He almost won it. But Arnold Palmer went back and started making phone calls. And uh, getting his fellow golfers saying, "Hey, you got to get over to the Open. It's a special place. You got to go play in Scotland." And so they started following him. In, and really, that's why uh, you know Arnold Palmer helped get the Americans involved in the Open. I think it's funny how in this country, you know, we—it's called the Open, but the, but in America we call it the British Open. It's like no, that's not the name. It's not the British Open. It's the Open. There's the U.S. Open, and then there's the Open. But we've changed our ways since then. It's but it 731. Was with Open, the Ad-
2: right?
1: No, it's the Open. The Open Championship. It's 731. We got some passing showers this morning. Should be most, uh, partly cloudy this afternoon. It'll be okay. Trade winds are down a little bit at 10 to 15 miles per hour. We celebrate the birthday of Spam today. 85 years young. Happy birthday, Spam, and Spam lovers everywhere. We'll be back with our special guest talking Major League Baseball on ESPN Honolulu
0: the Bobby Curran show is brought to you by Dr. Charles Arakaki at Ohana men's clinic visit Dr. Charles Arakaki.com
2: we are not that far away from the major league baseball all-star break getting to the second half of the season most teams around the 81 k mark trade deadline ahead so we're going to talk some major league baseball here on espn honolulu as we are joined once again by an editor covering mlb at the athletic emma span is with us emma thanks for joining us i was having a sort of friendly debate with my brother who is I'm a Mets fan. He was telling me the Mets will never get past the Dodgers, telling me how great the Dodgers are. And I know their record is really good. I just wonder about your opinion on them with Clayton Kershaw still not pitching, hopefully coming back soon. But they don't have the closer that they had with Kenley Jansen, who maybe wasn't great, but I think he's better than Kimbrell. Justin Turner, his average is down to 246. Cody Bellinger. Do you think the Dodgers are as strong as they have been in recent years?
5: Um, not quite. Yeah, the record is still great. They're still an excellent team. They're a deep team, but but yeah, I don't think they're unbeatable. Especially with the Mets, you know, getting back Max Scherzer at full strength, and if they get Jacob Degrom back doing what he can do, um, I don't see any reason why they couldn't beat the Dodgers.
2: In that division, you obviously have the Giants and the San Diego Padres. Without Fernando Tatis Jr., hopefully he'll be back soon. Do you think either one of those teams, when healthy, could overtake LA? Um, the
5: Padres, I think. You know, had a decent shot. They have slipped over the last few weeks. Um, they're back, I think, about six games. It's not insurmountable. Like they're still kind of hanging in there. But um, I think the Do- I think the Giants are, are sort of you know have staggered enough that they could still make it as a wild card team. They're on the edge, but um, no, I, th- I think the Dodgers. They don't have a ton of competition for that uh, for that division. But as we've seen many times, especially with the Dodgers in the playoffs, anything can happen once you get there.
2: Yeah, they've had that magic before i want to ask you about the new york yankees that impressive win yesterday 16 nothing over pittsburgh after losing i think the night before judge with his 30th home run i mean it seems like this team really doesn't have a weakness the only to me the biggest concern is their health what do you think about the yankees overall and are the astros a team that could beat them if they do meet in october
5: right now i gotta say it doesn't look like anyone's going to beat the yankees they are on track for just an incredible season um and, it's, and it's, I'm a little surprised. I thought they would be good this year. I didn't think they would be this good. I still wonder if their pitching is going to hold up. If, I think I'm sure Brian Cashman is working on that. They do have a few, you know, I wouldn't say they have absolutely no weaknesses, but they have just steamrolled the competition. Um, you know, granted, the Astros did sweep them earlier this year. The Astros are a good team. And, and sure, could they beat them in the playoffs? Yes. But right now, i got to say, the Yankees are looking pretty, pretty special.
2: I haven't asked a question about this team in a really long time, especially on a positive note, but the Baltimore Orioles, every time Chris and I go over the scores, hey, the Orioles won again. They're only five games under 500. I mean, they're only six games out of the wild card right now. How have they been able to turn this around from where they used to be losing 100 games or so to close to 500 now?
5: You know, it's not like it happens fast. It took a long time. This rebuild is going on for a while, and they're still not spending any money, but they are starting to see the payoff with, with their young players um, starting to, you know, improve and and be legit. Um, so I think they're, you know, no, they're not gonna compete this year. They're not, you know, they're not gonna be buyers trade deadline, they're not gonna bolster their team. But I do think they're at the point where next year you can look at them as at least respectable. I still think in that division, I mean, man, you know, you look at the the A L wild card and after the Yankees that the three wild card teams are all in the A L. You know, it's it's uh that's a theory. It's, that division is, is so tough that, like, I, it's going to, yeah, the, the Orioles can't just be okay. You know, to compete, they need to be excellent, and that's still a ways away. But I agree that it's refreshing to see them just not be total pushovers or jokes anymore.
2: Yeah, different than how they have been. You can check out Emma Span on Twitter at Emma Span as he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu talking Major League Baseball. Do you see any potential trades with any big names come the trade deadline later on?
5: Yeah, there should be few. I don't know that we're going to have some of the giant blockbusters of, of previous years, but you know, I, I do think it'll be interesting to see with the expanded playoffs how that plays off. With more teams sort of on the wild card fringes, but not necessarily real contenders, are those teams going to go for it? Are they going to say, heck, if we get a wild card berth, it's just a bonus"? I mean, that's the big question for me. Um, I haven't heard a ton of like earth-shattering names that would really make. You know, that would really change the conversation in an enormous way, but I think there'll be a lot of movement just because there's a lot of teams that are right on that edge right now.
2: Yesterday, Kyle Schwarber for Philadelphia, two more home runs, both solo and they lost, and he's got, I believe, 27 home runs now, having a great year you know, with the power numbers, but not hitting so much for average. Why do they still put him in the leadoff spot, especially with his power and the overall batting average? I would have thought he'd be more suited for maybe third in the lineup.
5: Yeah, that's a valid question. I, I can only guess they expect his, his OPS to come around because in the past he's you know he's been a guy who you could count on to get on base a bit more. Maybe they think that's just going to come. Um, I have some questions about Philadelphia in general, and they're sort of like defense doesn't matter strategy. Um, they are not a terrible team. I think if Bryce Harper hadn't gotten hurt, they, they might be a bit more in it than they are, but even now they're not out of it. Um, but even if they do get a wild card spot, it's just I, I can't recall a team like that that puts so little regard on, on defense um, making it very far. In, in the when, playoffs. You look at,
2: when you look at the National League, we already talked about the Dodgers. The Braves, it seems like they never lose. And I know they're, they've won seven of their last ten, but they were struggling a little bit at the beginning of the season. But they, I think, are the hottest team in baseball, not saying the New York Yankees aren't, of course. But the Braves seem like they're not missing a beat right now from where they were last year winning at all.
5: Yeah, they are an excellent team, and they really are breathing down the Mets' uh, neck, which is why getting Scherzer back and, you know, hope potentially DeGrom would be so, so meaningful. I mean, those are two of the best pitchers in baseball, and if they do come back at full strength, you know, you, you can't get a better trade deadline acquisition than those two. Um, but it's not a moment too soon because, yeah, the Braves are a really good team, and the Mets had a, a giant lead that is now pretty, pretty small.
2: You mentioned Jacob deGrom. It was a year ago today that he pitched – he started his last game, and I was at that game. He lit up a couple of homers, and his ERA went over one for the first time that season. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. How do the Mets handle this? I mean, with the injury, can you give him a six-, seven-year um, contract with maybe $35 million plus, or do you uh, try to shy away from that? You know he's going to want a ton of money, but it is a little bit of a risk considering his injuries lately.
5: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. as an interesting test for Steve Cohen, who, you know, can afford to do anything, right? He has all the money in the world. So could he do it? Yes, absolutely. Um, is he willing to, to sink all that money in to go over the luxury tax thresholds, all that, for a player who, yes, has had a lot of legit health concerns, so good when he's pitching, um, but so many injuries. And unfortunately, the biggest predictor of future injuries is, is past injuries. So, Um, It is a risk, but it's also a player who's pretty special to the Mets. This is a fan base that's, as you know, still pretty traumatized by all the, uh, you know, players, especially pitchers they've lost over the years. I mean, I think there's a huge risk for the team if you let him go and he has all these, you know, a few more amazing Cy Young caliber seasons for someone else. um, That's that's pretty brutal, you know. So I think he's a special player to this fan base, and that's worth a lot. I think that'll be interesting to watch. Another thing that'll be interesting to watch is the Yankees with Aaron Judge, who you know they made him a big offer before mm. the season, a very generous offer. Um, he bet that he could do better, and now he's having like an MVP caliber season, and he is going to cost so much money. And it's do you you know you go for? It. He's had health issues as well, um, so it's going to be an interesting winter in New York on, on both those fronts.
2: Reigning MVP for the AL, Shohei Ohtani, to me, I think, especially what he's done lately, he might even be having a better year. I mean, he got the win, uh, got the win yesterday. The ERA is down to 2.4, and he's starting to hit the ball for average, even though he's always been a power hitter, 53 RBIs. Do you think he is better than he was last year? And I understand that he's going to want a ton of money when he's up for free agency that the Angels might not want to pay him as much as he wants. Where do you see that playing out?
5: Yeah, you know, I have no idea where he's going to want to go. He seems pretty happy in Anaheim, but, you know, how much does he want to win? That team, I will say they've tried, but it just seems like they can't get anyone around Trout and Otani. We're going to take him over the top. Um, It was a really nice story earlier this year when it seemed like they were going to be competitors. Then everything fell apart. Um, I agree. He's having an amazing year, a much better year as a pitcher in my mind. I mean, he hasn't allowed a run in something like 27 innings um, while still hitting well, just doing things that we haven't seen in – decades and decades um i think he's a contender for mvp again and he's gonna you know be worth just a boatload of money um you know, anaheim say what you want they've spent money but it's not but not on the right players um so i guess the question for him is how much does he value the comfort of a place where he you know he likes it there he, he you know he feels, so you, he feels you good would there, have but how much does he want to win is the question
2: would you have otani over Judge then as of today as the mvp
5: it's a tough one. I think I would um, just because it's, and it's hard to measure because we're not used to stats that combine pitching and hitting, right? Like that's not really what war is designed for. It, it's, um, so it's tough to measure. But I think just as far as doing things that no other player can do, um, yeah, Judge is definitely a better hitter. There's no question about that. I think so is Jordan Alvarez. But how do you sort of put a – how do you quantify? How do you put a number on the value that he gives you by doing both those things? I mean, for me, it's tough to overlook. Um, And if he were just, you know, having a mediocre year as a pitcher, it would be easier to say it should be judged. But, I mean, you know, even with the team collapsing, it seems like he's worth, you know, just an enormous amount.
2: Yeah, incredible year for him. All-Star break coming up in a couple of weeks. And then we've got the trade deadline. The pennant races will heat up. Emma, we always enjoy talking Major League Baseball with you. Thanks for joining us again.
5: Yep, thanks for having me on.
2: All right. Emma Span. Uh, editor for baseball at The Athletic, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. I do want to give a little update on the Hawaii players in the major leagues. Everybody who played got a hit or more last night. Isaiah Kanafalefa kind of for the Yankees, four for six, scored three runs, batting average up to 276. Josh Rojas for Arizona, one for four. He scored a run, his average at 272. Colton Wong went one for four. His average is at 237. So some good games last night for all of the Hawaii major leaguers. Kurt Suzuki did not play yesterday. Uh Ah, Excellent. All right, Uh, let's
1: see if traffic has gotten a little better. We'll check it out now and be back on ESPN Honolulu.
0: Listening to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296 1420.
2: with some uh, football news. Gary Dickman with Chris Hart with the Animals filling in for the Bobby Curren Show. We're I not with reading... the Animals. We are the Animals. I keep hearing you say that. It's the Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show. Go for it. Okay. Marquette King, former Raiders punter and a former Denver Broncos punter, one of the best punters in the league, averaging over 46 one year. And I remember him doing a great job for the Raiders, at least over the year. Then he is coming out the last couple of days saying he's basically being blackballed. Nobody will give him a job. And he's claiming the NFL is discriminating against him Mm. uh, because of his race. I have a hard time believing that. I mean, there's only been, I believe, three or four uh, black punters in NFL history. And I know we talk about, you know, coaches and assistant coaches and the minority hiring. And I know there might be something to that, even though I don't agree to why they're not getting jobs. But for a punter, I, I don't believe him on that. He'd probably have more information on it. I don't, I don't know if I would buy his claims on that. Some of the things that have been mentioned about him, why he hasn't been signed, when he was with the Raiders, he took shots at John Gruden publicly put him down in public, <laughs> one of the reasons they cut him. He put him down even more when he got cut, and then Denver signed him. He almost got into a fist fight with a, a sports radio announcer in Denver. He took more shots at the NFL and John Gruden. It seems like he's got some issues there. And, mm. you know, I, I, I find it hard to believe that I think it's easy for athletes to play the race card and unless it's definite, I re- it bothers me that he's doing And I don't have any direct knowledge of if he's lying or exaggerating or not. But it seems like his attitude is getting him in a little trouble. He also claimed when he was with Denver, when he was hurt, he said they claimed to him that he wasn't hurt. And they wanted him to play. So, I mean, if all that is true, I can understand what he's saying. But to think that there's race involved for a punter in the NFL... I just find that hard to believe, and I, I, I don't believe it. Again, it's been a story that's been circulating the last few days. But as a, as a good punter, as good as he was, was it the attitude where teams were basically staying away? Because it couldn't be based on his performance. Again, one of the better punters in the NFL, so it does surprise me.
1: I don't know. the uh, Okay, let's see. Uh, yards per punt, 49, 45, 44, 48, 47, 44. He's not like an all-star punter. I mean, he was a good punt, good enough punter, I guess. But I can guarantee you that Rigoberto Sanchez's numbers are better than that without even looking. He played only four games for Denver, by the way. Maybe it was because of injury or whatever. But, I mean, the last time he played a full season was in 2017. That's five years ago. He went on to play in the, the XFL, I guess he played – I'm not sure if he actually. I yeah, played five games in the XFL, had 19 punts. Um, then the you know then the the league went under. Arizona Cardinals were considering hiring him. You know they they ended up not doing it. You know why would you be have a problem with hiring an Afri- uh of signing an African American punter when the team that might be hiring you has uh, 80% of the African-American players, and your quarterback Odd, odds might be that your quarterback is African-American. Why would you be like, whoa,
2: ho, ho, no punchers, white punchers
1: only? I think I think the NFL is uh, way far, far past that.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a really amazing claim. But you, you mentioned his numbers, uh, 49 and 46. Those numbers are really good. And that's got to oh. be near the top two or three in the league. Most, you see, I know Rico Berto, and I always follow his numbers. I think he's usually around 43, give or take a yard here and there. But 49, I would imagine, easily led the league when he did that, and even yeah, 45 maybe
1: or I probably misspoke because Tanner had uh, just texted us. And, Tanner, you can speak back there from the Paxas studios in downtown Honolulu. Uh, he says he's top 10 uh, all-time in punting yard average. It
2: seems like, again, some of the attitude – Uh, concerns or um, instances that he had. I mean, if you're going to keep on calling out a coach, you know that team's probably going to get rid of you, unless you're (laughs) you're a quarterback like Tom Brady. Uh, Getting into a fight, not a physical fight, but it almost went physical according to what I read, with a a sports radio personality in Denver. And then you're basically throwing the team under the bus for telling everybody that they're making you play when you're hurt, saying you're not hurt. So I think that might be a reason why teams shy away from him. But on the field, yeah, he's got talent. And I wonder if that was why teams, you know, three, four years ago didn't sign him. As you said, he hasn't played a full season for five years. That might keep teams away today. But I wonder why they were kept away three or four years ago. And, you know, there's not a lot of punters I know by name. He was one of the ones I remember being really, really good. So it was surprising then. But it seems like it was the the off-the-field things that he was involved with rather than his performance on the field. And, you know, it's quite a statement or a claim to make. And I wish he didn't do that. And it just seems, again, un. It doesn't seem like it's probable that that would be a reason that he's not in the NFL anymore.
1: Right. And I mean, again, he hasn't played for a long time. His, his playing days are probably over, but to say, I mean, look, Colin Kaepernick, I don't think was blackballed because he was part African-American. He was blackballed for his actions. Um, Rigoberto Sanchez. I'm just curious about what his numbers are. So he averages uh, 45. And what did uh, what did uh, Marquette King average? He averaged uh, punting distance 46.7. So Rigoberto's not far off. You know who's actually really good? Remember Matt mcbriar Yeah, that guy. That guy averaged like 48, 47, 48 yards a punt. Uh, that, that's pretty. That's that's that's. That's awesome. He punted for ten years. But sorry, I, I got off the subject. But yeah, again, I don't know. If, if if I don't see think that NFL owners would be would be prejudiced about having the person this, this, this position should be this color and this other position should be this color. You know what we haven't had, which is or have we? Have we had an African American place kicker in the NFL? I'd be curious about that. If there is, I've, I've kind of forgotten about him. Now, there have been a lot of minorities with people from Latin America who have been uh, kickers. But um, as far as an African-American place kicker, I'd be interested about that. That's curious.
2: Yeah, de I believe the brothers um, have been in the oh, NFL. Oh, hundreds of them. Yeah, uh- I, I think also with his claim that he's only 33 years old, which is not too old to be in the NFL. He was pretty young when he was out. I, I mean, that, what, he's, what he's been saying in this last three, four days, he I hasn't, think that'll he even... hasn't
1: been He hasn't been a productive puncher in the NFL for five years. We're talking about Colin Kaepernick here. It's the same thing. When people come out, I mean, there was a column in the Star Advertiser the other day about, you know, Colin Kaepernick and and, and being a, you know, he should be in a training camp. And it's like, why? The guy's had two good seasons and he hasn't played for five years teams are moving forward not backwards to go and sign somebody like marquette king with all the other talent that's out there you're moving backwards
2: i think with his age it's not too much but i think nobody's going to want to sign him even more so now with these statements I mean, that, that comes into play, and you're right, there's a lot of good punters out there, right. but he was yeah. good. And I know now it's been five years, but two, three years after he was cut by Denver, I wonder if that was what kept him out then. That would have made more you sense because he wasn't out of the game as long.
1: Ma- maybe the guy's just a jerk. Maybe the guy's just a jerk. And it's like, you know what, what the, you know, maybe some people think, hey, punters are a dime a dozen. I don't want to deal with this guy. Let's get him out of here. Let's get somebody in here who's not a distraction. <laughs> We've got uh, – uh, we're going to take a break. we got traffic coming up uh in just a couple of seconds here also our top stories of the day and uh the zephyr insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420 we'll go back to that on espn honolulu now from the paxa
0: studios in downtown honolulu the bobby curran show on espn
1: honolulu Hey, folks, uh, Bobby Curran is uh, working to get better. We're going to sit in here in the meantime. It's the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. hope you're having a great day. And uh, as we said, uh, yeah, top story of the day today, spam turns 85 years old. <laughs> how about that? Yeah. You know how spam uh, came about, right?
2: Um. No, I don't remember that story.
1: It was uh, It was. they made it to uh, feed the troops in uh, World War One. And then uh, everybody by the 60s, it's a a staple, especially here in Hawaii. By the way, Spam, the way they got the word Spam, it's a mashup of spice and ham. (laughs) I just wish Spam was better for you because it's so good. Anyway, celebrate, stop uh, stop by your favorite place and get a Spam Musubi today. As we all celebrate Spam Day in America, 85 years old. How about that? Happy birthday to Ringo Starr, 82 years old today. He uh, he hasn't missed a beat, he's still going strong, so to speak. Happy birthday, Ringo Starr. Top story today is the, um, uh, Governor Ige yesterday said that today he will be signing his budget, and in that budget, $400, $400 million for the new Aloha Stadium Entertainment District.
2: And we're headed in the right direction. I'm still going to feel a lot better once they actually start breaking ground. That'll be a plot. That'll be something to look forward to, and hopefully it's sooner than later.
1: And uh, Brittany Griner has pleaded guilty to smuggling in hashish oil to Russia. And she's
2: still got a long ways ahead of her. I mean, the fact that she's going to be in detention supposedly until December, the trial is going to continue that long, and – I'm hoping, again, somebody can do something to get her out of there sooner than later. I mean, her letter really kind of made you realize even more so what's going on, how terrified she is. I mean, we can imagine that anyway, but uh, hopefully they'll get her out. Even if they have to do that trade, I'm just hoping she has to come back soon.
1: Rainbow Baseball just got a new commit. Tanner Hayworth, come in, come in. And we got nothing. Maybe he I had guess. to step away. we got a transfer for the Rainbow uh, baseball team, a uh, player from Ball State. as uh, I believe he's coming in as a, gradu- a grad transfer.
2: I saw this on Twitter during the break. <clears throat> it's coming from the big lead. Source indicates that North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia are all negotiating to join the SEC. Now, you mentioned yesterday about the ACC's TV contract. It also says in this article and tweet that ESPN is trying to void their TV deal with the ACC. Amazing if that will happen. Not so much the TV deal, but getting those four schools into the SEC.
1: Those four schools are, again?
2: North, North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia.
1: Huh, interesting. I wonder
2: what, I wonder what Virginia brings to the table. Yeah, I don't know if it's a different market. We're going to have an ACC guest on tomorrow. Um, but Clemson, obviously, the big football name amongst them, even though Florida State has been good. But I, I don't think it's a sh- shocking that that might happen. I thought the Big 12 and Pac-12 might make moves sooner. But we heard rumors about the ACC trying some different things with whoever they might merge with. If those four schools leave, that will really hurt the conference as well. You know, that's interesting. I wonder how that contract, that
1: television contract goes with um, the television contract goes with the ESPN, by by trying to get out of it, I, you I have mean, to pay I money. The language, no, no. I wonder what the language is in the contract. Um, another uh, Tanner just texted and Tanner is in the studio. He's just being quiet right now. He says Virginia and North Carolina could be for men's basketball. I mean, I've thought about that. That'd be a great playing partner for um uh oh gosh, Kentucky, right? Park. Yeah, Kentucky, and uh, you know, then you know what? Then go out and get Kansas to join, right? Then you'll have Kansas, Kentucky, Virginia. I don't you know. We'll see. Virginia national champs three years ago. Right, three years ago. Are they a are they a powerhouse every year, year in and year out? Now North Carolina should be. Is Virginia, or you know,
3: I think are they they're a usually a top 16, twenty team.
1: Sweet sixteen team every year. Just about. I mean, the okay. year they lost okay. to All the year right. they I'll lost. That.
2: Okay, the year they lost in the first round of the tournament, that big upset to um, Maryland Baltimore County UMBC, I mean, they were the number one seed that year. They won the championship the following year. This year, they had an off year. Uh, I don't believe they made the NCAA tournament, but usually they are one of the top three, four teams in the ACC.
1: All right, another top story today, and uh, we got this from Sidelines Hawaii uh, on Twitter. The um, uh, University of Hawaii, according to the Football Power Index from ESPN, uh, they are predicting Hawaii, is first of all, is going to beat Vanderbilt. There's a 72% chance Hawaii beats Vandy. And when all is said and done, they say Hawaii will be 7-6, and six, which means a bowl game. So uh, we'll take that right now. Now, our text line is open, the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420 and I'm trying to pull up our textuses, and let's see, where do we start? Here we go. I was wondering why earlier, because the Open Championship is going on and the Genesis Scottish Open is uh, – Open Championship coming up, which will have coverage here on ESPN, on Lulu, by the way. The Scottish Open is going on now, and these are link, what they call link-style courses. So I, I said to myself, I'm like, what's the – why does OlaMana have a sign outside that says it's a link link style course? And uh, thank you for the text. It says OlaMana isn't a link style course. A link style course is usually a coastal course with not too much trees and more sand. Uh, Turtle Bay's Palmer course is more of a link style course, right? It's a lot of it is out on, by the beach, and then uh, I think it's the seventeenth hole out there. There's more sand traps than sand uh, than grass. There really is can't stand it now normal golfers love it i'm just bad uh here's a text talking about (laughs) those teams moving to the sec for basketball reasons thank you for the text poor duke
2: i know that you'd like that one I, would, I do like that one. I mean, it just changes the landscape. And, again, we're not surprised. We know there's going to be more moves. But uh, I didn't think it would be talked about this early for the ACC schools. But you don't want to wait. You don't want to be left hanging. And imagine how football would be in the SEC if you had a Clemson playing Alabama in the regular season where the game counts. Wow. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay, next text at 808-296-1420. This isn't sports-related, but since you mentioned it's Spam's birthday, It reminded me that I'm excited to be going to Disney World during the Epcot Food and Wine Festival, and they have a Hawaii area that will be featuring spam menu items. Food and Wine Fest is running mid-July to mid-November. All right, so if you're in the area, avoid the critters in in, uh, Florida and head on down to the Hawaii area and enjoy some spam. Thank you very much for that text. Thank you guys for calling in and texting and being a part of the show at 808- 1420. really what we've been talking about today is the, um, the the big story is and it's it's there's no real story yet but it's always fun to talk about where the University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors play football we've got a 9000 seat TC Ching Athletic Complex and if this wasn't all based on you know what what our requirements are for the for uh, the NCAA and all of that Boy, I sure go back to remembering the spring game um, this past spring and looking at the excitement in the stands, looking at students on campus going to football games and enjoy- and just bringing that energy. It was a different-looking fan base that we saw at T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. And it's sad because I think that no ma- if you don't have games on campus – you can't create that atmosphere anywhere. You can't create no. that. You can't create that if it was in, uh, you know, I, I don't think you can create it if it's just not on campus. I mean, you can't create that if it was in, even if it was in Kapahulu. All of a sudden, we built a stadium in Kapahulu. I'm not sure you would have the same deal with the Hawaii with the uh, the students. And they filled up that end zone. It was awesome. It was awesome to see the players' response their fellow students in the stands it pumped up the players the players weren't going like oh we got a 9000 seat stadium we're, we're not as good as oklahoma no they were like man this place is packed and the fans are going crazy they created a great atmosphere on campus and i'm almost sad to see it go but then what cheers me up is that you know the new aloha stadium entertainment district we think is going to take years to complete. I mean, if it goes by, uh, you know, past examples of big state projects. So maybe we're going to be on campus longer than we think. We can celebrate the fact on on that. But when you talk about students going to football games and you had buses go and, I don't know, the kids kids didn't want to go. They didn't want to go to Aloha Stadium and watch a game. You had a few people in the student section, which is a pretty good section where they had them. But you had a few students there, but it was, you know, girlfriends and girlfriends of players. And that was it. You couldn't really, if you you didn't want to be at the game, you really couldn't leave Aloha Stadium. You had buses, right? You had some buses. But when did the buses run?
2: They start leaving at the end of the third quarter, I believe. And I, I remember speaking right. at a journalism class with Cindy Lewis years ago, and I asked the students that question. And they that was the, the, the most frequent answer I got. I got a few different ones, but the biggest one was we can't leave when we want. If we want to leave in the th- third quarter, they can't. They have to wait until when the fourth quarter starts. And they didn't like that. I got that from more people answering that way than anything else as far as the reason. Right. What if you want
1: to – it's a blot. It's halftime. Well, all the fans are leaving, but the students are stuck. Right. And it's far away from campus. If you can, if you're watching the game at TC Ching, number one, first of all, and let's face it, we're talking about college students. But you know, maybe there's a little pregame going on in the dorm room. And I'll guarantee to tell you right now, there's a lot more kids that stay in the dorms than they know about.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: of course just going off of past experience with uh, having a kid there there are a lot of people that were there were squatters so to speak right so there's a lot of kids there's 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 a lot of uh students in the dorms and they want to get their party on a little bit before they head on down to the to the game and then if uh you know it, it's a bad game or they just feel like leaving or they hook up with somebody whatever it is they can leave the game whenever they want because home is just a few steps away with the with, uh, with Aloha Stadium, you would go and have the student parking section, some drove, and then you would have police officers sitting on their motorcycles watching them. Now, what kind of party atmosphere is that? Now, I commend the police. They're doing their job. They want to make sure that the underage people aren't drinking right. in public. I, I get that. But that's what the students are, are going, oh, it's really uncomfortable. Let's just go. There have been students that I've known. That that when that happened, just got in their car and went home. Overall, it was just an uncomfortable experience to go watch a game at Aloha Stadium. How do you improve that? I don't know. But all I hear is old people talking about what the students want and what the students need and what we can do to get the students back. I'd love to hear about more reaction from the students themselves. When you talk to the journalism class or whatever it was, besides – not being able to leave whenever you want. What are some of the other reasons they brought up?
2: I'm going to tell you what one uh, female student told me that she a female to,
1: student. <laughs> well,
2: well, I'm just saying that because she said she didn't. We didn't. We didn't like the players. We they didn't like their personalities. And I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> um, they just thought that they were treated a little bit better than the average student, but they just didn't like. Again, the players or some of the players, and that was a well, reason. Well, good why I thing you
1: don't go to any school in the SEC then. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Yeah, yeah, really. But that and that one surprised me. But the biggest one again was that they just couldn't leave when they wanted. What other ones? You mentioned there were some other
1: ones. So not being able to leave, a, a, a girl didn't like the players.
2: One of them I'd rather not mention on the air. It's it it's a it's a serious allegation, and all I, right. I, I'll I'll tell you during the break, and you can make your uh, mind. Well, uh, all right. Uh, but, but you're right about what we have at T.C. Chang, and you said you're going to be sad to see it go. It's not going, to go any, not going to go away anytime soon. That was one of the better things about the games last year was having those students. There. We've never had that. Even in 07 when they went to the Sugar Bowl, there'd be students there, but it was the overall crowd-causing, creating that great atmosphere. What we got to see is what you see on TV a lot. The students going crazy, kind of organized chants and whatever else they were doing, and it was great to witness that. And many of them stayed till the end. Like you said, they could just walk home, and they didn't have to leave early. To only have that for, what, two or three games last year, to have that all year this year, I think it's going to create a good, a great atmosphere. I would imagine they're going to be 9,000 fans at every game. I, I, With COVID, not that COVID's over, of course, but because that, fans can go with 100% capacity, I think the atmosphere there is going to be unbelievable. We never got over 6,000 last year. I think it was like 5,600 on senior night against Colorado State, or maybe 62. It was right around there. But if you can get 9,000 fans every week, it's going to, it's going to be great. Again, it's not enough that for the university to make a profit or to make money, but I think it just created something that we've never had. That, to me, is the most special part about playing on campus. Yeah, and I think that
1: what keeps people away too, and what kept people away back then was they were going, oh, it's not gonna, parking's gonna be a nightmare. I'm not gonna go. Right. You know, we got a text on the Zephyr Insurance text line here. In the '80s, the student section was huge. We would have to stand in line there. Were two reasons: the seats were 40-yard line, band was next to there, and as well as their awesome tailgate. Students started the waves, cheers, etc. That's all over the place. But basically, what he's saying is. It was different in the 80s. We would stand in line to get into the student section. You know what? In the 80s, you didn't have cell phones and video games and 65-inch TVs and so many other things to do. Watching live sporting events has taken a back seat, not only in Hawaii, but a lot of places. People are consuming it a different way. So when you say that well back in the 80s we did this well i mean the stadium was still you know pretty new division you know being a part of the wac and a conference was kind of new remember i mean not that many years before that 1980 hawaii was like an independent right i mean it wasn't yeah. it was it was all over them you know the map it was more structured you had some success You had local players, the best local players staying home. You had your, you you know, if if the, I wonder what the Nogas would do nowadays if all of a sudden the Nogas were the best players in high school football. Do you think today they would still play for the University of Hawaii? I don't think so. You know, it seems to be, you know, they'd be having little press conferences with five hats in front of them, Alabama Auburn and Clemson and maybe they'd throw Hawaii a bone by sticking a hat on the you know the best players aren't staying home. Hopefully the brotherhood attitude changes some of that. And uh but it's it's different. It's a much different animal nowadays.
2: And remember in the 80s and even early 90s that was besides the students you would get 35-40,000 no matter who you were playing. I mean you never got crowds in the low 20s. I don't remember any crowd in that that stretch where they got crowds like that, even if it was an FCS school, you would always get thirty thousand plus, and that has changed over the years. Probably for the reasons you mentioned, is a big contributor to that. So, I mean, the, the but, students, though, at Aloha State in the last couple of years, we would see students at kickoff in their seats, or maybe in the middle of the first quarter. How many times when the third quarter started, even though the buses weren't leaving, that student section was almost a hundred percent empty.
1: Right cuz it's going out amazing. to the parking lot. I'm ready to leave. Let me go out yeah. to the parking lot. They don't you know what? It's 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 hard for me to stay for an entire football game. I can't stay for an entire baseball game. To me it's too long. I got other stuff I want to do. We live in a different world now. 3 hours is a long time to sit on your butt. It's a well that that's just during the game. That's not leading up to the game, going out, at, you know, uh, afterwards whatever you day. It's it's long. I, I think that people. I think that young people and old people. I guess it, it's an instant, gratif- instant gratification society we live in. You know what? I'm ready to leave. I don't want to wait half an hour for the bus to come. I'm ready to leave, and I'm ready to leave now. It's why convenience stores are so popular. I want to spam Musubi on Spam Day, and I want it now. I'm driving up to 7-Eleven. I'm walking out and taking seven steps, getting my musubi and getting back in the car. I want it, and I want it now. <laughs> Look at how popular Uber Eats and everything is nowadays, right? Mm, yeah, I can yeah. eat all the junk I want, and someone's going to deliver it to my door because I want it now. I don't want to cook. Back in the old days, you know, it would uh, it, people would take, you know, six hours to prepare a meal. You'd wash clothes over a rock next to the river. <laughs> That was just in your. <laughs> but I'm, what I'm getting at is, 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 it's different now. You can't compare sports or anything else to
2: back in the '80s and how much better it was. If you were younger, or when you were younger, I mean, would you would you have a problem sitting through a three and three-hour football games almost never happened uh, even had before you. Playing in a JV football game. Oh, come on.
1: I'd lose no interest well first of all cuz Elani would be beating us 42 to nothing in the third quarter. You kind of lose interest after a while. <laughs>
2: That's amazing. But I, I can understand, again, it is a long day. But, I mean, if you're a fan, and I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm an extreme fan, I don't, I don't like leaving games early. But, I mean, it's one night a week. It's Saturday night. I mean, all around the country, I don't know if you have student sections. I know we don't compare it to the Power Five. But I don't. I wonder if student sections leave or are not in high numbers at Mountain West games on the road, mm. you know, if that's the case there. Because it, it's really sad what was going on the last few years at Aloha Stadium with the lack of students there. And, and, again, they give reasons, but and I also think if it was an 07 year when you had a Colt Brennan and a ranking and ultimately going to the Sugar Bowl, I would think more students would have showed up at Aloha Stadium if that was last year or three years ago before COVID. But on right. campus, it's great. That's going to be something where whenever they do open up the new stadium and Hawaii is going to play there, I don't know what else they can do. I remember um, – Somebody, um, an administrator at UH UH said, you know, we've made it free for them. They pay the student activity fee already. So they get to go to the games for free. We're giving them free transportation. Why aren't they showing up? What else can we give them? They want to be helicoptered in. And I remember that's what this person said. Hey, It was frustrating.
1: You want to helicopter them in? They'll line up for that. Helicopter in and helicopter them home. Uh, We have to get another traffic update here. We'll be back with more on the conversation if you'd like to join in. 808-296-1420, the text line. Or you can call if you like. This is ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby
0: Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast.
1: i feel like i'm pretty cool it's sports animals this is espn honolulu on the bobby curran show by the way and uh we are celebrating spam's birthday today 85 years old go out and get yourself a spam musubi won't you when we talk about we compare uh oh somebody texted in and said i'm not a real fan i guess because i (laughs) it's hard for me to stay i you know what i can stay for an entire basketball game (laughs) <laughs> I can stay watching a UH basketball game from start to finish, and I'm okay. All the other sports, they seem too long for me. That's why I like softball, I think. Yeah. I like watching UH softball better than I like UH baseball. Nothing wrong with our baseball team. Softball's a, a quicker game. There seems it to be is. a little more action. The um, uh, Talking about students leaving, uh, Jeff texts in, even Nick Saban gets upset when students leave early. He bans them if they do. Is that the right? He bans oh. them, huh?
2: He was really. I think it was two years ago. He went off on a press conference on the Monday afternoon oh, game know. and really upset about that. Like, and it's understandable. Like, and I guess it means more to the game if somebody like that says it. I was kind of glad he did, even though I, it was a game where they were playing like an FCS or a really bad low, uh, low major FBS team, and they beat them like fifty to nothing or something like that. Still, though, I, I was I'm surprised that happened at Alabama. I, I wouldn't think it would happen there, but I guess again, different days, different times we live in now.
1: All right, here's another text. Thank you guys for texting in to the Zephyr Insurance text line. The bottom line is it's more convenient for the students to go on campus to an on-campus stadium. Yeah, we've been saying that. Their housing is just a short walk away. Yep. Halava Stadium requires transportation. Can't leave when you want if you want to take the bus. Thank you for recapping the show. <laughs> no atmosphere like an on-campus stadium. What we have here are politicians catering to developers you have no foresight and vision to get things done well how are they catering that, that i don't understand because uh the they're catering because they don't want students to go to the games i'm not sure maybe he can retext uh, a follow-up to that but i mean if we want this I, I mean, think about this. I, I mean, what were you doing in the '80s? You're watching, you're watching movies on Betamax. You're, you know, the, you're, you're going to school using your Trapper Keeper. You know, those were always fun to kind of open up and close. You've got, you're trying to figure out how Michael Jackson does the moonwalk. The big hit of the year, 1985, was the Super Bowl Shuffle. That was a long <laughs> time ago, and things were much, much different back then so that's the uh that's it's we can't go back okay thank you for texting back and uh catering to excuse me gosh (laughs) a texter says uh regarding um uh catering to developers he says catering to get their commercial developments incorporated into this stadium hello Great text. Thank you very much for texting in at 808 296 1420. Somebody else texts in. Here's a good one. Here's at least people you're thinking. Thinking positive thoughts. Give students extra credit for going to the new stadium games. Give them extra credit.
2: I've heard that happen at some schools where they really? actually will give you a grade and a passing grade and a great grade, which will help your average if you do go to a sporting event. I, I that's that, that whole concept seems in a way wrong to me that you have to bribe people to go to a game basically uh but i guess it's happened in a few places okay
1: what about the i'm not going to mention it because i know some great people there but uh and i don't know if they do this anymore i know they did in the past they will give you a scholarship (laughs) they will give you financial aid if you promise to show up at a certain number of athletic events
2: Wow, a yeah. scholarship I haven't heard. And I, I know when schools did do that, they did require you to stay until whatever it was in the fourth quarter. It wasn't like you could just show up and leave at halftime. Yeah, I don't know how they, they, they monitored that. that.
1: To, no, they told him because the, the, someone will tell on you. <laughs> if the coach sees you, you leave, this is Division Two, So they'll know if you start leaving. And you know what? A lot of them took a bus, and that's when the bus picked you up. But, I mean, you can, you can tell me that I, you're going to have no student debt in your life. Show up at a few games a year. I'm there. I'm there in the front row. I got my tea leaves going, and I'm, you know, losing my voice in every game going, yeah.
2: It, I, I, yes, yes, yes. I, 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 what? But it just doesn't seem like that's the right way. to. It shouldn't be the right way. It shouldn't be necessary.
1: Well, I'm guessing what they're trying to do is create some excitement so other students come out. That's what they're trying to do, to have a cometi- competitive atmosphere, right?
2: Yeah. But, but, I mean, too bad the product itself can't do that. And I know, you know, that's how sports are these days, as you mentioned. In almost every sport, in certain areas, attendance could be down. In some areas, it's business as usual. But, it, again, it just seems like it shouldn't happen on either end. That the <laughs> students go, I'm going to go to the game because of this. I mean, that doesn't sound right. And for the school to have to resort to that doesn't sound right either. But it has happened, right. I understand, in a few different schools.
1: All right. This, this is why I like text better than phone calls. Because you can, get a, you can, you can say whatever you want on a text. Is, uh, so the texter texts back, and uh, I was talking about a Division Two school where you get a scholarship, but he writes in, was that Punahou? <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it. Come on. Was it? Is Punahou a Division Two college? I know. I'm
2: joking. I'm just wondering if they, you know, did something like extra credit there.
1: Let's get one last look at your traffic here on uh, International Spam Day and some surprising words from Rory McElroy coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. This
0: is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app.
1: That moment of silence for I don't know what. Hey, you know what? Sad. We had some sad. James Caan passed away at 82 years old. Right. Known for uh, you, you mentioned the Godfather off the air. There's a there's a movie called Misery, and I don't know if it's on. It's with and I don't remember the lady who he's he's like a kidnapped writer. And I don't remember the lady's name. Do you remember the lady's name in
2: that? No, but I'm going to find turning, out in a second. I'm
1: turning to my oh. wife behind me. Put her on the air. She will not go on the air.
2: Kathy Bates,
1: she's I a, believe. She's a, Kathy Bates, thank you very much. What a great movie that was. But, um, you know, I saw something that said he's known for. They didn't mention Misery or The Godfather. They mentioned, oh, gosh, I don't know, Something and Elf. Remember, he was the dad on Elf, on the movie Elf. And it's like, really? I'm not sure that that's what he should be known as, the guy from Elf. He was in a movie with John Wayne, and I don't remember which one it was. I don't think it was the Sons of Katie Elder. It was uh, something where he had a small hat and a big gun, but he couldn't shoot. (laughs) Uh, I don't remember. Anyway. Uh, my wife says he was in, in Funny Lady with Barbara Streisand. So there you go.
2: Oh wow, that's way back when Cinderella, Liberty, The Gambler. He was in that. Mm. Rollerball. Rollerball, huh? Yeah, yeah. Now that should be that should be a cult hit
1: nowadays. People would love <laughs> that. All right, Rory McIlroy has is uh, you know all this stuff. One of the one of the things about the Live Golf Tour is that Rory McIlroy has um, Rory McIlroy has uh, come out and been – has been uh, – sorry, I got a text. Wait, I, I'm, I'm totally distracted. Chris, how can you forget Bobby Boucher's mom? What? The water boy? Catherine fu- Bates, yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that text. Okay, thank you, guys. Okay, now the texts are coming in. We'll get to them in one second. I just want to get to this, and we can expand on this on tomorrow's show. Rory McIlroy has been a guy they've been sticking microphones in front of his face about the Live Tour for uh, quite a while now, uh, since before London, right? And he's come out and said all these things and blah, blah, blah. Now Rory is doing the smart thing. He's part of the reason there's this big split in golf. Is that he's condemning these guys who have left, not personally, but their decision. I want to mention that it's not personally. He doesn't have anything personally against Dustin Johnson or other people, but professionally he does. Well, now Rory McIlroy says that um, that there is escalating tension between these two circuits, and it's splitting the game. He says everyone has to be pivot and change and try to be better and hopefully get to that stage of I guess at least not making it so messy and all of these comments and everything else, right? He's saying, hey, let's just call a call. Let's call a peace truce. And that's what I w- hope they would do. I wish that the PGA Tour could somehow, you know, you have two tours. You have the uh, like you have the AFC and the NFC, and the champion plays for the Super Bowl. Think about it for the for the world of golf. When you have the Live Tour and the PGA Tour, and those four, uh, and, and you have the best of those two tours, going at it four times a year in a major championship, that would grow the game of golf. That would create interest in the game of golf. So, I just don't trust the Saudis. Personally, I love the product. As just a viewer, and you forget everything else, and you watch their coverage on YouTube. It's, it's a great tournament and they do a lot of innovative things that the pga is now being reactive and trying to catch up on but it's a great product i think they put out the pga can learn a lot from the the live tour but i just don't trust the live tour <laughs> i did i don't trust their motives do they want to grow the game of golf or do they want to take over the game of golf if they want to take over the game of golf then they can never work together but i think that the commissioner Monaghan of the PGA should at least sit down with Greg Norman and talk some things out. Just my thoughts on that. But anyway, so we can build more on that tomorrow, if you like. Uh, Going back to the uh, text line at 808-296-1420. And thank you. Yes, that was going to bug me all day. The movie with John Wayne and uh, James Caan. Remember that? His name was Mississippi. Well, Mississippi, well, Mississippi, I tell you what, Pilgrim, I can't do it. El Dorado, <laughs> the name of the movie. I'm going to make sure I catch that on Prime Video tonight. <laughs> That's the greatest James Caan movie in my mind. That's what he should be known for. Well, you're Although, a John
2: Wayne fan, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I love John Wayne. Although I was disappointed to find out <laughs> of how much of a, well, they say a racist he was. that, yeah. that came out uh, recently. Let's see, here we go, back to the text line. Thank you guys for texting in. Uh, Crazy, we got to incentivize going to games for students. This is the generation that grew up on indoor activities, though. (laughs) That's right. You give it to them. Come on, Generation Z, represent at the football games. You can
2: do it. You know one thing different about the Luton. one? I would just wear this, seeing this during the break. Oh, okay. Live to our back, okay? Well, that they fly all of their golfers on a private jet. Yeah. It's not where you're you're traveling on your own. And they have pictures of it. It's like there's a full bar and restaurant on one side. The seats have so much space. Wow. Why
1: do you think think people called Patrick Reed, people that are already on the tour, Mm. called Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChamon and and said, dude, you got to get over here. They treat them like royalty. Where the PGA is going, hey, you pay your own way. And then if uh, you don't make the cut, well, sorry, that's on you. And they and the PGA says, but that's what makes the PGA Tour great. Is not that everybody. A, yeah. Is, what makes the PGA great is being the only professional sports league in the world where you're not guaranteed a paycheck, where players don't get paid. Somebody else texted in, their favorite James Caan movie is uh, uh, what you mentioned off the air, Brian's song is brian piccolo
2: right great great movie i know it's kind of a made for tv movie but the fact Mm -hmm. that it was true is sad yeah Uh, it was really good well you
1: know what you know what was really bad one of the worst movies ever the remake of brian's song oh it probably came out 15 years ago it was horrible that's right i vaguely remember
2: because it was that bad
1: there's two movies you guaranteed you have to cry at old yeller
2: and Brian's song. Brian's song, Who didn't
1: yes. cry during Brian's song?
2: Come, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> as Bill Murray said in Caddy Catty uh, in Stripes, he was talking about that with Old Yellow. Who didn't cry? Who didn't cry? You all cry. We all cry. We all – and he went through this whole speech before graduation. I don't remember if I've seen um, – no, Brian's song I've seen. El Dorado, I don't think I have. That's got to be one of his earlier movies if he made it with John Wayne as well.
1: Right. It, uh yeah, anyway, 808-296-1420. Thank you guys for texting in to the show. And, um, you know, we've got more University of Hawaii. If Tanner's back in the studio, Tanner, we were trying to give the the name of the commit from Ball State that is transferring to University of Hawaii baseball, and if we have any other information on him.
3: I can grab you that name right now as I'm pulling it up. So that his name's going to be Zach see, so he is a grad transfer. So we will, much like um, Andy Archer, we're only going to have him for the year. But uh-huh. he is 6'5, 220. He's got, he, on, it's very nice of him. He lists down all of his pitches, too. Uh-huh. He's got a nice fastball, top of 95. Wow. So it's normally 91 to 94, he said. He's got a little bit of a changeup. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, he played at Ball State for a couple years, going to come over here to finish off his college career in Hawaii. And I think that's a pretty good move over, you know, going from Ball State to here. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Zach Losey. Zach Zach Losey. Losey.
1: A como mai, Zach Losey. Welcome to the Rainbow Hood (laughs) in baseball. Got some breaking news here. Uh, Rafael Nadal has pulled out of Friday's Wimbledon semifinal against Nick Kyrgios with a torn abdom- abdominal muscle. Ouch, that hurts. Oh, that's got to, to play through that. Man, I mean, you're going to the semifinals. So now Kyrgios is going to face either uh, Djokovic or Cameron Norrie in the championship match. It, it's so sad for Nadal to have to uh, to bail. But at the same time, what a story that uh, Kyrgios is. Now, I'm not sure about what happened. He's going to face trial for something in Australia or whatever it is. But he's been really, really interesting for the fans at Wimbledon. Not your typical Wimbledon. He's kind of, a, kind of a rebel. And uh, people are uh, – he's been the talk of the tennis world and brought a lot more eyeballs to Wimbledon broadcasts here, at least in America. So, anyway, he gets a chance to win. I mean, who's ever heard of Nick Kyrgios before this? Now he could be a, a Wimbledon champion. Holy smokes. All right, uh, we'll be right back on ESPN
2: Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Gary, what's coming up? We're going to talk some NFL. i got some topics I want to go over in the NFLs now that they're getting ready for camps. Less than three weeks before everybody will report.
1: And we'll be this right after back.
0: Listening to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at
1: 296-1420. Gonna be partly cloudy today. Get ready for that. Trades are uh, down a little bit, but gosh, right now humidity at 84% on the wow. island of Oahu.
2: So uh stay cool where you can, my friends. Yesterday we saw the breaking news or heard the breaking news during our show about Baker Mayfield going to Carolina. And then a lot of people seemingly thinking that, okay, will Cleveland get Jimmy Garoppolo? thinking that Deshaun Watson won't be able to play this year. I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers and hearing this a lot in the last few days as well. This is Trey Lance's team. We know he's a starter. They don't need Jimmy G. They're going to get rid of him. What I'm reading is that the Niners will try to trade him once his shoulder is healed. They got the wait for that. I do find it more than a little surprising that they're, and I don't think the Niners are necessarily doing this, but it seems like the media and fans are saying how it's Trey Lance's job. He threw five touchdown passes last year, and I believe he rushed for one touchdown. He didn't play that much, as we knew, and everything we heard is that he wasn't ready. You know, he didn't understand the playbook. It's going to take a little longer. But how does that translate to now he's going to be the starting quarterback? I think, I mean, again, I know Jimmy G, as I mentioned earlier, it's an expensive backup at $26 million or so. But to give Trey Lance that job, I think that's a big risk for a team that was so close to going to the Super Bowl last year. They're going to be in the mix this year with all the talent they have. I don't, I mean, and obviously they see him every day. They've got the film. They saw him at OTA, but to anoint Trey Lance as the starter, that it's his team already before he's proven himself over the series of a half season of a four or five game stretch. I think that's surprising and might come back to haunt them. If they get rid of Jimmy G before the season starts, the Trey Lance, it's just a little better than last year. That might not be enough to get him to the Super Bowl or to get him to the NFC Championship game or that deep into the playoffs.
1: It's tough to comment on something like this because, well, how good is he? How bad is he? I don't know. I haven't seen him in practice. Neither. I, I don't know. I don't know how to. Dis- I don't know how to discuss this. I. I think if you're this this far away from winning a Super Bowl, if you're if you're this far away, and I'm holding my thumb and my pointer an inch apart if you're this far away from winning a super bowl wouldn't you do everything you could with your talent to make sure you get to that super bowl for example if trey lance gets hurt or trey lance ends up not doing very well that you can throw jimmy g back in there he brought you to a super bowl before
2: yeah and he helped getting him that close last year they lost to the Rams. uh, you know in the end of the game i think he threw an interception and i know he's not the great quarterback but well, I think he's not he's, bad at all. Yeah. he's not
1: bad either.
2: Right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean,
1: That's he's a he's a he's
2: a you know a 15, 16 best quarterback in the NFL. And that could be enough as it was last year to get him that far. I, I just think it's a really big risk if they let him go without Trey Lance proving him, but proving himself. But everything I keep hearing, and whether it's talk show host or people that cover the NFL writing on Twitter, that you know he Jimmy G is probably going to get traded to Cleveland. That's one guess or you know theory but i say that is trey lance's team and again we don't know if kyle shanahan john lynch are thinking that way i think it'd be a little too premature of them to give trey lance that job right away but again you might not want to hold on to jimmy g because of the money as a backup i think it's, it's a not big that much though.
1: money don't, but don't look at it as money as a backup you got all your players signed you're under contract go out
2: and play but you don't have Debo Samuel signed for his next deal yet. And we know how he wanted to get traded around the draft time. Franchise him then. Yeah, you could do that. I guess you could. Sure you could. Sure you could. But with Trey Lance, I, I just think it's a big risk, and I, I would be surprised. But we
1: don't if, know. But we don't know. He might be the, the best thing you've ever seen in
2: camp. But in camp, it doesn't necessarily say show that he's going to be that great in the regular season. Right, right. And I know they can, they're better evaluators than you and I, sure. of course. Sure, sure. But I, I just – don't think they are in a rush to get rid of jimmy g and i again the talk out there makes it sound like he's as good as gone and that trey lance will be fine but i, I don't buy that right now and we'll obviously we'll see in the next few weeks how that plays out yeah but that would be surprising
1: op- and they're probably not getting wherever he goes he's gonna have to pass a physical but he's probably they're probably not getting the offer they want otherwise he would have been gone now say you've got a, you come out and i mean it doesn't make sense first of all for him to go to Cleveland. Okay, so we're going to we're going to bring Jimmy G on board and then next year Deshaun Watson will be here. It yeah. doesn't make sense. It, it totally doesn't make sense to me. When you um, w- when you talk about maybe some kind of injury replacement, you're four you're four your four games in and uh-oh all of a sudden uh, you know god forbid Tom Brady goes down. Well, Tampa Bay go out and get Jimmy G. Let's go trade because y- y- we want to win now right yeah, they're designed yeah. to win now the uh, indianapolis colts matt ryan he goes down whoa you know what you got all the pieces around him go get jimmy g that makes more sense to me then all of a sudden maybe you're seeing higher draft compensation for uh capital for uh for jimmy g right now they're probably just not getting a good deal so Could what be. rush do you need to be in because you don't want to pay a, a backup quarterback that much money ah, i don't know if that's i think you wait for the best deal you can
2: one suggestion I see is that they might, and again, this is just from the media, somebody at ESPN, say maybe they asked JBG to take a pay cut at a reduced salary to keep him as a backup. Okay, so that's what they think. What do you think? I think they'd be wise to keep him. I think they would. Uh, you want to win a Super Bowl, as you said, not that much money in the big picture with $26 million. If you want to win a Super Bowl and you know you're that close, it's too big of a risk to trust this, basically a rookie quarterback who hasn't proven himself enough yet. Jimmy G, as we say, he's not an all-pro, but he's good enough to at least get them there or help to get them there. I think they should keep him. and I think they should have a battle in camp before they just give it to Trey Lance. And when Jimmy G is healthy with the shoulder after the shoulder surgery, let's see exactly how good he is. And I think that's why they haven't traded him yet, because they got to make sure that you said he has to pass a physical before they could trade him.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much. Don't forget, it is uh, Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy coming up at 12 noon today. Josh Pacheco in the afternoon at 3 p.m. We'll see you tomorrow at 6. Please enjoy uh, National Spam Day. Happy birthday once again to Spam. 85 years old today, and happy birthday to you if you're celebrating. We'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Honolulu.